This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode of Those Conspiracy Guys is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, by going to HelloFresh.com TCG60 and using the code TCG60, or the links are in the description below. Thanks, HelloFresh. And welcome to another episode of Those Conspiracy Guys. This time we're uh, we're sojourning with Pogo the Clown uh, and having a little break in the basement to uh, talk about the one of the most prolific killers in American history, if you can believe it. One of the most prolific killers, thirty-three bodies, uh, and that's at last count. There could be many, many more. Uh, this time we're talking about John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown. And uh, join us in studio, we have the wonderful uh, Lauren Kelly O'Sullivan, former radio celebrity, current entrepreneur, and uh, female trailblazer in the business world oh, in Ireland at the moment. That's a good intro. Restaurateur, uh, pub owner, and uh, I, I understand you're opening up a, a speakeasy slash strip club in the countryside in Bray. That's what's happening now, right? You're really metropolitanizing That's it. That's it. Bray, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's great to be here, Gordon. Thanks, for, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Have you interviewing me? I, I, yeah, I mean, we, you can see on YouTube, I have a couple of clips are up on the, the Spin website, Spin 103.8. I, I, I did some true crime episodes with uh, with Lauren and with Gordon Hayden as well, who's going to be joining us tomorrow. And uh, crazy short versions of these crimes. It, it was, was like, so I want to get difficult. into it. Yeah. 10 minutes is all we had. Yeah. And it was actually Gordon's idea, Gordon yeah. Hayden's idea to, you know, he listened to you guys. I think I heard you on Owen McDermott's show. Yeah. And I said to Gordon, you'd love these guys. So he said, right, let's get them on. I've been on since and it didn't go well. Any. Oh, no. I've been on a few times with, with Owen and then I went on and it didn't go well. One of the times it wasn't in great form and it didn't pan out. Oh. <laughs> Lots was chopped. Maybe yeah. for defamation, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. And that's why we had to be so careful. Yeah. But it was great. And we got some great reaction to it. And we did some great cases. Yeah. And we're, we're actually plowing through. We did this case yeah. on Spain very I succinctly. I think the first time I heard about Pogo the Clown was with you. But it's funny because when I think of John Wayne Gacy, Pogo the Clown's only a small bit Tiny of him. Bit. But it's, it's probably the most, I guess, widely socialized or widely... Yeah, when you, you know, Google image, it's the image that comes yeah, up. It's, it's the, the it's people association. It's the one that's been put into the, 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 the zeitgeist about this murder. And as well, it's been like co-opted into other types of media, like, you know, Stephen King and this killer clown thing. Like mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, I remember in England, they were having these guys standing on the, standing on the street corner with like one balloon and... 
chasing people up the street as a joke and they had to ban killer if clowns are so terrifying and you know i was trying to so my husband is not a fan of true crime at all he thinks there's something wrong with me okay um and just doesn't want to hear any of the podcast that I listen to or hear about any of the articles that I might read. It just, it's one of these people. And I think You're like lot, murder pillow talk. Stuff. Yeah, no, none of that. <laughs> but I think like, obviously none of these people will be listening to this podcast. Sure. But you know, the people who are like, well, if I don't know about it, it didn't happen. Yeah, I guess like there's a lot of people that are maybe trying to sojourn themselves from. Like, why uh, would you want to know the details yeah, of that? Box yourself off from awful stuff happening and just live your life. But mm. then there's a lot of people that live in the weird misery. Like, you can't watch The Office or you can't watch, you know, some cringe comedy because they're like, I don't like the empathetic feeling of awkwardness from somebody else. So if they're watching a true crime documentary going like, how would I feel if I was getting, you know, chopped up in bits by, by Fred West and put, in a, and put in a box in the ground? They can't handle it emotionally, no, I think, maybe. that's it. And like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure your husband some is details. busy with other stuff as yeah. well. He's like, I haven't got time to be fucking talking about some other shit from the 70s. Like. But that's it, yeah. Like, I was telling him, I was trying to explain to him today. And I was like, oh, you know, John Wayne Gacy. I was like, you know, he's a pretty whopper serial killer in America. But the most prolific. I, I doubted that when I heard it. I was like... 33 th- Surely there's more. Ted Bundy had 36, but maybe it's confirmed. I think as well with Gacy, it's just that he is this monster like and you know and because he really didn't seem to care I think and I know so many of them show no remorse but I Mm. think there's something so terrifying about someone just having complete disregard for human life and there's no reason for it now that's to be honest and I hope we get into this is I do think there is lots of reasons why John Wayne Gacy ended up the way he did but there was no remorse. There's no reasoning behind any of it. And I think that's what's so terrifying for people. And maybe that's why he's one of the most famous because you can't get your head around what he did. I think it's part of the the true crime fascination because we're living in a world now where there's loads of stuff happening. It's all very complicated, like geopolitical moves. And there's like a lot of kind of political correctness and identity politics that are just notions until now when the real world ramifications are showing up in, you know, uh, uh, like real world applications. Like people are losing their jobs or they're, they're being demonetized or being deplatformed. People are being made go away and shamed into a certain narrative. Like all of those kinds of events are without explanation. So people are trying to find those things. That's why conspiracy theories are after getting so, so much yeah. more popular in the last maybe two or three years because they're like, I don't know what's going on. Tell me, please. So a true crime has always been popular, but has blown up in the last five years because they're like, I want to distract myself, but I also want to have some kind of uh, maybe like a scholastic advancement in how I understand human nature. Like I yeah, can't understand I think- how a businessman who owns a multi-billion dollar company can allow it to and is happily married happy, with yeah, kids and do yeah. all this stuff and then and then allow like half of the population of a town to be destroyed by cancer like with monsanto or whatever like how how those guys can live with themselves people want to know why why yeah and as we, we, go we along want and, a why like we always yeah. want a logical explanation for something and i think i don't know for me true crime and reading about stories like this or listening to podcasts like this it, it becomes in a way almost more reassuring to me yeah. that there's so much of this shit that we can't explain and it's okay. It's terrifying that it happens. And just cross your fingers it doesn't happen to you. Exactly. That's all you can do, really. Yeah. Um, living in fear stuff is, is debilitating. I think that trying to understand how it works is maybe what, what you can 
it's like a practical application of what you can do mm. and then like your fella the other practical application is just not to let that come don't into your life at all because he doesn't want to know because yeah. in his reality it'll never exist when i worked in spain i used to come home and be like oh my god like we were talking about the story today or we were talking to this woman on the show today and you know, all her children died or her house burnt down and and then her dog got cancer, you know, and he's like, what the fuck? Like you come home and every single day you just bring misery with you. And I think he thought leaving radio would that would end. It really hasn't. Yeah. Like, I, but Misery I, lives here. I do. I definitely feel it's not that I love to hear her end of stories no. and that there's something wrong with me, but it's that it happens and it's awful, but it's life. Like shitty things happen to really good people. Could you think it's like emotionally stealing <clears throat> yourself for something like that to happen to you? Like the zombie plan was always in my head. I'm going like, if the world ended, what would you do? And there's actual like daydreams of like, and then I go here and I do that and I get this thing. Yeah, I think I'd be really bad in a zombie apocalypse. Like <laughs> I love zombie movies. I studied film in college and one of my lecturers used to recommend to other students that they mm. would watch the George Romero movies with me because I enhanced the experience. <laughs> like I just, zombie movies, because I do, I feel like the world we live in, something like that could happen. Maybe not zombies, but like viruses, things, you know. But even like a civil war or people turning on each other like for political ideologies mm. and the next thing, it's good to have there's a battles in the street. No, I mean like the zombie movies are an allegory for society collapsing. It's not really the undead rising from the ground. It's, the unprepared people when they switch the water off or they turn off the electricity and, you know, the whole of Dolphin's mm -hmm. Barn just goes, okay, I'm just going to go into town and loot all the Tesco's. Yeah. Because they're like, I'm hungry now. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to be thinking that those things can happen and thinking about them and going, I'll be prepared is maybe more settling than yeah, going. Yeah, maybe it is. I don't want to know. But as we go forward into this John Wayne Gacy case, we can kind of find out that the fears that people have about these big company men and these, like, secret organizations and like shaking hands and freemasons and all this kind of crack it does have a venn diagram intersection with murderous kind of rapists and mass murderers like those guys have a similar mentality yeah and there is that and it happens all the time all across the world is that you 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 know hear a story like john wayne gacy and you hear like of all these young men and boys who came forward and were like uh, yeah he assaulted me or like that wasn't okay but money and power and status and, and also apathy you you get away with things yeah you know no one is listening and i think that's something that yeah like when it comes to these big organizations and yeah it is it's more businessmen than business women kind of uh this kind of um, fraternal powerful yeah. yeah kind of uh, uh, position that people get away with things and so if you're gonna and that is something so striking about gacy is the more he got away with the worst it got because why fucking wouldn't you and it, uh, i've done i think 11 true crime episodes in the last maybe three weeks <laughs> and as we go along i'm like yeah that's a typical thing of all of these guys if it's no the more one is you gonna get away, call you yeah, out the more you get away with the more you're gonna do yeah and they get worse and bigger worse and, and worse and you can see that in gacy's life so when you first came across uh john Wayne gacy like the first dalliance with his story what what did you think were you like oh what a dirty bastard or like oh he had a really bad childhood i think he never stood a chance mm. and one article i read actually recently um really skims over his childhood it's yeah. like you know he grew up in a in a blue collar family pretty normal childhood i'm like there is nothing, nothing. normal about no. john wacy's john gain what john wayne gacy <laughs> <laughs> Um, nothing normal about nothing it. normal about his childhood whatsoever yeah. and i actually think it's such a shame that we don't know more about his dad's 
childhood I, and his life. I found a few little bits. Okay. We, we talked about them in a while, but it's like, it's like, yeah, violence begets violence, abuse begets abuse. And it's, it's this kind of trickle down thing that you don't look into. And on this true crime show, I don't like going into like the murder porn where sometimes it's necessary to explain how it's done, but like, it's mostly looking back and seeing how the why. this guy, the why, the how yeah. this guy came about. So like to look at what John Wayne Gacy did and how he led this like dual life all the way up, even like a triple life then when he had Pogo, like to split this personality. We we're talking about going back to MK Ultra, which is like, you know, trauma-based mind control, split personality or, or you know, disassociative identity disorder. He was talking about having um, uh, schizophrenia, uh, but, um, what was the one person? Some oh, fuck I can't. I have it on the nose. Uh, uh, like a borderline borderline personality disorder, and that's what he was trying to get away with, like with these crimes by reasons of insanity. So to look at how that came about and how people would just totally disregard it, how it was a a, a typical domestic abuse situation that spreads across all of these murderers. And then nothing is being done about no. those situations in the modern day. And you're talking about 50 years after these crimes were committed. There are still home situations in this town that we're in now mm. that would possibly spawn a similar type of person who would go out and do that. Maybe not maybe not now because of all the, you know, the, the, the crime prevention, DNA and all these kind of things. You catch them after so one or two. so much more. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. Like you, people are caught earlier or people yeah. display certain behavior and you know there's either social care workers around or, or a psychologist school, that pick up on it yeah. Stuff, yeah and this was the like one if you're thing in school I and you're playing with your own shit or you're fucking taking a dick and wanking yeah. yeah just wanking in the back of class or whatever and then you're you're getting caught and you're like nice tits miss like that's gonna happens. be picked up on that yeah. happens in real life but you're going to be taken away and you're going to be someone's going to look at you yeah. but this is the wild west of murder it the is. 70s was the wild west you're talking about son of sam you know uh, fred west like Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy like this shit is all happening in the same five or six or seven years what I wonder about Gacy is as horrific as his father was and as horrific as their relationship was and how it was clearly a, like an alcohol yeah. fueled domestic abuse situation I sometimes wonder as well and I hope this doesn't come across as um, really insensitive but maybe his dad was on to something like I completely understand where a lot of people feel that, listen, this man grew up to be a notorious rapist and serial killer because he was abused as a child. Mm. But you ever meet kids that you just know straight away are assholes, right? Yeah. Um, maybe his dad saw something in him. I just tried to bait it out of him. Maybe. Now, I'm not saying it was the right approach. I'm not trying to condone his behavior at all. But I do feel like there's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of kids abused. There's a lot of kids that grow up um, with alcoholic parents, with abusive parents, and they don't go and do what John Wayne Gacy did. In fact, they go the other way. So there's lots of people coming from, I guess, uh, <clears throat> let's say, security questionable or domestically questionable homes, and they end up excelling because they're like, well, I'm not going to end up like my man. Yeah, uh, is it a mental thing or is it a hereditary thing? Are you born with it? Are you born with or it? Or maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> 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 um, but is it something that maybe the dad may recognize yeah. because it was something that he had within himself and he tried to contain he was a World War One veteran quite possibly maybe he had joined the arm we don't know there's so much we don't know about his dad well we find out there's a small bit of bigotry like sprinkled in as well okay well, we'll listen, talk about that in a second that would explain a lot yeah yeah but I do I wonder um, did Gacy end up the way he did because of his relationship with his father or was it something that was just there yeah 
It's just, it. that's what fascinates me. Is It kind of says like that now, maybe some of the kids that are being left to their own devices, some of these, uh, you know, Generation Zs or, or, or you know, uh, uh, Xennials or what are the digital natives, these kids are going to be coming up and they're just too apathetic to be like serial killers. Mm. There's no serial killers anymore because like men aren't men. You know, yeah. they're not. But it's like the way his father treated him, we're going to talk about it now, the way his father treated him was like so bad to push him into... A, cl- a closeted kind of a, a yeah desire his, desire all he wanted to do was please funnel. his dad yeah. yeah and it just seems it's always the parents nearly so you're just like shit if I have a kid it's just you can fuck them up so badly so, and something that's totally not I'm like, bringing a child into this world <laughs> and I've had to scale back the amount of true crime I'm consuming get out mommy's listening to our podcasts like yeah like I wanted to read Helter Skelter for a number of years and I went to buy it recently and I went I don't need to be reading this at it's, almost five months it's pregnant it's into the amniotic fluid yeah it's no just, <laughs> the, kid, the kid's first started word started early yeah first word is like red rum you're like oh my god <laughs> this is it now exactly yeah so i think i need to just scale back because yeah you can just do such a job on your kid yeah it's i mean a little thing up oh, permanent damage but like you, you know we got over it yeah I, I, I remember loads of stuff that's like permanently scarring but it didn't make me uh rape and strangle and bury 33 kids under the floorboards no and like you know my mom was really into true crime that's where i got my love yeah. for true crime uh, I was never dropped on my head that I know of, but we do. You hear that so much of like so many serial killers had serious head injuries as yeah. children. But I know loads of people were dropped on their head or like their parents like bang them into things and they're fine. Totally fine. They were such 80s kids. But yeah, they're, really, they're made from different stuff. Well, let's get into it then. Let's get into uh, uh, John Wayne Gacy in earnest and try and look and find uh, why the killer clown did what he did. He was born in Illinois in 1942 to uh, John Sr. and Marion Gacy. And his father was of Polish descent. His mother was of British descent. And they were really like trying their best in the new world to come. Living the dream. Yeah. Trying to come and live the American dream in the US. But like we said, alcoholism, physical abuse, um, these kind of mistreatments of the kids. It was pretty prevalent in the Gacy household. They yeah. weren't, uh, they weren't, you know, living like the Waltons. It wasn't a... Uh, it wasn't a Cosby show type situation. I get the impression that the mum very much wanted it to be a Waltons-like household. Yeah. To be fair to the dad, as much of a monster as he seemed, you know, he was a World War One veteran. Yeah. That must be the most fucked up thing you could live through. And escape in Poland in World War Two time Poland yeah. when some shit's going down and you're in a new world and you have a job and it's rough. And you just want to succeed and yeah. you want your family to succeed. Yeah. It you can understand why he pushed his kids. Like yeah, to to succeed, you're like we're in America now. You can do better than I did, and that's any parent's dream for their child. Mm. Is like you can do better than I did. But just do don't know? like whip them with razors and call them dumb <laughs> and stupid. Yeah, well, that's maybe how he got treated. So I read uh, there was an article about um, John Senior's father, who was also like a Polish merchant and uh, was living through really rough communist times in Poland uh, during during occupation during like the, the, the Russian revolution and the, the communist uh, I guess regime uh, leaning to Poland at the time and we're talking about hard times we're talking about like Irish famine the potatoes turning black in the ground kind of shit okay. um, the, the Ukraine particularly and Poland were suffering so badly from famine during these times like in the Ukraine they were like y- you were having kids getting snatched we did one on Andrzej Chikatilo if you remember <gasps> And I hate had, that guy. That yeah. was horrific. So he grew up in a time where okay. when you're getting snatched, you're not getting like fucked and locked in a locked in the boot of a car. You're getting snatched and then a motherfucker is putting you into a stew, like baby meat. 
So they're snatching babies and eating them because oh the famine God. is so bad. Like that's the shit that was going on in, yeah. in these times. So in Poland, this guy's grown up in abject like shittiness. And he was also abused and possibly sexually abused by his own father because it was an alcoholic kind of, oh yeah, no, we live in Poland and everything is grey and no food. We eat the children or fuck them. I mean, you know, oh like, my God. six of one, half dozen of other. And that's what happened. It's grim. The, it's yeah, really, grim. really grim. So you, so you can't blame him for, yeah, bringing his family to America, trying to, trying to shake it off. But that shit sits with you. John Sr., then started to kind of bait and berate young John, who was well, the only boy. Of, had lots of health issues. Yeah. You know, John Sr. thought, right, you're a bit of a sissy boy. Yeah, John John Jr., John Wayne Gacy was displaying, um, how would you say, uh, uh, sisterly traits in his personality. He was he was hanging out with his sisters who were playing teacups and they were playing dress-ups and he was helping his mommy in the garden doing the flowers. He loved cooking. Cooking with his yeah. sisters, like baking cakes and like little little John, you know. Yeah. Um, his mommy was very much Molly Codlin and he was mommy's boy. And then your dad come home from work and then go down to the basement and drink a bottle of brandy and then like trudge up the stairs when, when dinner was on. And then come in and be like, where the dinner? I want my cabbage and, uh, you know, my capusta and meat. And baby stew. And, and yeah, baby finger stew. Where is it? And and basically, like, if anyone gave him any lip at the dinner table, he'd be fucking slapping and poking. And everyone was living in fear at all times. And then he had this thing of like, oh, sissy John, oh, little sissy John, want to play with the girls. You don't want to play baseball like a real American kid. But he couldn't play sports. Sure he couldn't. He had... A health condition that meant his heart yeah which is hard to diagnose so the dad probably sure. didn't take it seriously mm. which like you could imagine that happening nowadays is that mom's like listen i think yeah. maybe like this is a problem whatever and dad can't be doing pe a lot and... of men would be like listen just throw him out he'd be grand to be well able yeah i can see how that would happen um and so as a result john became quite an overweight child little tubby john and yeah, the cakes and all that stuff as well that he baking was baking probably didn't help. But um, there was also rumors of him having a blood clot from a puck that his dad gave him one time off the handle of a brush. Yeah, I would not be surprised. And there was a blood clot in his brain. And this is what later on the court case said that, um, yeah, this is probably the, the reason for his abnormal behavior. But uh, John was a stern man. He, he, he wanted Johnny to be like a big manly man. And he would call him dumb and stupid and berate him for his... I guess girlish tendencies in front of the other sisters, his his extended family, and even strangers. So if they were out, you know, in a shop somewhere, and he's like, "Look, look," and he brought over something pink, he would make a fucking show of him in front of everybody oh. to try and scare him out of being a sissy boy, as it was. Like that is that's gonna fuck yeah, you. it's fucking up your identity. Like, and, and he already had that. None of that activity, you know? was horrific enough. John then ended up being molested. By a family friend. Yeah, there was a, a Now, I don't think there's much about this. Do you think it was a family friend or do you think it was the dad? I, I wouldn't say it was the dad because, well, maybe he was like, me thinks the Polak doth protest too much going on about being a sissy boy and being gay. Like, it can't have... Here, go off with this manly man. Uh, maybe the dad that. facilitated it. Could yeah. have been that. He was working for the, the father's company. He was an employee. So maybe it's that or maybe yeah. it's like, um, the dad actually did it and... He was saying, like, don't be a sissy boy because he had some homosexual proclivities as well. Like, the rest of the people in the house were all women. Yeah. So, he had a few sisters and the ma. 
Like, there's no real talk of his dad being gay, but definitely there was this report of this guy who was like a driver for the business. Um, as well as then John, after this event, molesting a girl in school himself and then getting totally berated for it, going like, oh, what are you doing trying to finger a girl in school? Sure, aren't you a big queer? And John is like, I'm trying to do what you want to do. Like, I'm, you know, yeah. you want me to fuck girls and play baseball and I'm trying to do that shit. I have a heart defect and you're making fun of me for trying to finger some girl in school. Like, what do you, f- like, what do you want? He must have just been so, so confused yeah. as a young man. And Absolutely. like hitting puberty, not knowing who he was, yeah. what was going on. And like, you hear all this. Is it any wonder he ended up the way that he did? But at the same time, what he became was this horrific monster. Yeah. There was talks of him talking with his sisters and his sisters had the other birthday dresses. And John was like, trying on the dress and going like what would you think maybe maybe he was transgender maybe there was something else going on in him that wasn't identified and because of the shame that his father implanted in him like we'll find out later on from his testimonies and interviews on tv after he was incarcerated that he still protested right till his death that he wasn't gay that he was bisexual Mm. he wasn't transgender he was just curious and you're talking 1992 so it's still totally like at the height of the aids epidemic it's still totally taboo to be part of the lgbt community i also think that for a long time this case was used as a stick to bait the queers with that they were all like if you were gay you were tantamount to john wayne gacy the next thing you were going to do is fuck children and murder people and i think it's not talked about a lot and there's a lot of stuff left out of this like it's not talked about but that was definitely part of the lgbt zeitgeist for the 80s and 90s especially with don't AIDS let them near children yeah. don't let them near children because they'll fuck them kill them and bury them in their basement and you're like that's not how it works man mm. that's like one in a million and then they end up being super famous murderers you know but i do think the part of that story was always told about john Wayne gacy that he was like a closeted sissy boy who who, yeah. who you know lashed out at people and um he he basically grew up steeled by this kind of upbringing into making himself very personable he was very off air with people he was able to make friends easily this i feel is the personality that he wanted that his father wanted him to be successful charming businessman powerful likable businessman and i do feel that if he had if he if he had gotten counselling, if he had been, you know, evaluated early as a child and had these issues dealt with or maybe removed from the family home, this is probably the man John Wayne Gacy would have grown up to be. Yeah, he had the drive inside and he had the the affability and the, the conversational really, really skills. Really, really successful, He was nice 118 guy. IQ, so all the stuff of being a dumb fuck and like a little sissy boy and all that stuff, like that sat on him, even though his IQ was above average. Yeah. He was well able. Even when later on when he went to prison, you know, was like a model prisoner, popular. Yeah. Got on well with people, got people to do stuff for him. And that that got people to do stuff for him is the thing. Yes. So he was it. And that's a great businessman. If you're able to get people to, to do, do the work, for you. do it the way you want. Like that's, what else do you need, you know? Great managerial skill. Manipulative, so. really, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't it's like, say. it's, you know, and it's so many. And that's why I think going back to the whole powerful businessman, CEO type of personality yeah. is, you know, so many CEOs have psychopathic tendencies. They yeah. just don't have them all yeah. to make them a John Wayne Gacy or a Ted yeah. Bundy. But 
if you can make people do stuff for you, why wouldn't you? Get if you a can CEO, get away with doing things and people don't call you out, keep doing it. Get a CEO, sprinkle in some childhood sexual abuse and you have a John Wayne Gacy or a Ted Bundy. Pretty much. Yeah. He was able to manipulate people, but he was also able to gather communities of people around him. And he ended up joining what was called the uh, the Junior Chamber or the JCs. So this is kind of like a, a Rotary Club or a kind of a Young Freemasons type of organization where a bunch of lads come together and we're all like, you know, uh, um, assistants to such and such a politician or they had, you know, like councillors and local government uh, uh, secretaries and all these guys. Well so connected. Yeah, absolutely. Like young Democrats or, you know, the new new Republicans or like Tea Party organisers and, you know, people who own... Like a uh, chamber of commerce we have here. Chamber of commerce, yeah. but like a, a little bit more political. And, okay. and this was where he really shone. So he was, he did like, the JCs were this group in, in town in uh, uh, Iowa, it started off, and then when they moved back to Illinois, and they're kind of like a, a, a national organization. But what happened with the JCs, because it was a fraternal order, and there was a little bit of saucing going on, a few sups, a drink, and a bit of fucking Bolivian marching powder, and you know, this and that, and whatever, and because of John Wayne Gacy's proclivities, he ended up getting to the... Like pretty much to the top of his order, easily, easily, and we'll t- we'll tell why or we'll tell how now in a second. But like the fact that it, with these JCs, he was able to bring those lads back to his house for a party, and he ended up showing them uh, a bunch of what was called stag films or pornos on his projector. And later on, he gave these testimonies and said, like, I would I would be delighted sitting there watching them all trying to hide their boners when they're watching this stag film. And this was the start of this. I'm drawing these young mm. men, and they're all young men, as he was, you know, in his early 20s, drawing them into his home. I definitely think a lot of it started out as he probably found himself in this position where he was accepted, he was popular, yeah. and for the first time could explore who he was. And maybe out of a whole group of JCs, he could find one lad who was gay to be yeah. going like, are you gay as well? Cool. Do you want to yeah, go do, do stuff? stuff? And at this point, like, he still hasn't done anything wrong. He's committed no crimes. He has done a few weird things. But, (laughs) like, loads of people do weird things. It doesn't make them rapists and murderers. But I suppose it's how it went from this to what happened next is... And it's a very short hop. Like, this having these JCs in the house to the next thing having one lad alone in the house. Hmm. I don't want to spoil it. But it's a very short, like, split decision. And he's into that world then and it's over, you know. Um, I wonder, I just, I would love to know, was there a switch or did he always have this plan? <sighs> That's the thing. And he's, he totally denies till he dies. Like there's no way to know now. Mm. But obviously something snapped. He was the the assistant precinct captain for his local Democratic Party. So he was a Democrat. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and that's a stick used to bait. I've seen some articles like in the... Drudge Report and stuff like that. And it's like, don't trust the Democrats. John Wayne Gacy was a Democrat. (laughs) And you're like, come on, lads. There's surely better politics you can do than that. But he was involved in local politics in in, uh, Iowa. And um, while in the position in the JCs, he thought that he could win his father's respect because, like you said, Lauren, he wanted his dad to think he was a great businessman. His dad bought him a car. This is. This is fucked. This is a bit fucked. It's just. I think. The dad probably was secretly proud of him. 
but always wanted to keep him in this box. Yeah. And it sounds Because, like you said, he knew that he was like a potential crazy yeah, murderer. Yeah. And he was just trying and to could control see him. himself in him. Yeah, absolutely. This is a fuck story. So he bought him the car. And then he said, you can have the car, John. Well done. Well done for getting the job and, and getting the position the JCs. You're a great lad. <laughs> but if you don't do what I say, I'm going to take the car off you. And when John disobeyed his father and did something that he didn't want, his dad would come along and take out like parts of the engine so that the car wouldn't start and John couldn't drive around in it. I just like, think that's that helicopter parenting so much more the about degree. the dad. Yeah, of course. And that was when I read Narcissist that, control I remember freak. thinking that's he's the problem. He what like the dad definitely there was something going on there. Do you think it was it did it did turn sexual? The, uh, like just for control. I feel because like you don't get taught that rape is a form of control unless it's done to you. You don't just like start yeah. raping out of nowhere. I feel like yeah, there's things we either don't know about the dad or the dad in some way facilitated what happened to him yeah. and him being raped because yeah, you just I just think the taking car parts yeah. away is just that I don't know it's so vicious there's just and then on the flip side maybe the dad knew that in the car John was driving around the countryside picking up young lads was he cruising at that stage uh, who knows who knows says not the mm. cruising years were 76 to 78 and we're talking late 60s now but like later on John see this kind of shows that he was father, very well versed yeah. in this in this thing he, he maybe were, his father knew things yeah yeah or had picked up on certain behaviors yeah. <sighs> maybe he was trying so to go like I, if you don't behave it means you're in do you know the way people with with borderline personality disorder go into like peaks and troughs so you go into a, like a manic peak and then a depressive trough so halfway through or on the way up to mania that's the time when you're the most unhinged and that possibly the dad knew that that he was starting to act out and he's like, okay, well, you're in a mania now. I'm going to take away your ability to drive across the state, pick up a young lad in a bus station, get him, force him to give you a blowjob in the car and then strangle him to death and fuck him in a river somewhere. Maybe the dad knew that some shit like that was going on. Yeah. It's not, not beyond the realms of possibility. I, I think quite possibly. John, ne- like the only, re- the only reason we get these stories is because John Wayne Gacy gave these interviews. So it's all his So version. it's all his version. So Whatever he could happened leave to dad? Oh, the dad did die. Yeah, yeah he died. But... It was very timely, do you know? Um, so he'd take these fucking, these bits of the car so he couldn't he couldn't go anywhere. And John then obviously become, because he was more off with the, the, the oven than he was with a car engine, he wasn't able to put the stuff back together and he just had to sit at home and sulk. And he left home, he left Chicago after this treatment and he moved to Las Vegas. And Great he started idea. to Yeah, I mean, get the fuck out. When is Vegas ever a bad idea? Yeah, get the fuck out, go to the city of sin. Uh, where you can murder someone and leave him in the desert and nobody will ever know, do you know? Uh, he started to become a, a, an ambulance service worker and then got kind of transferred over into a mortuary assistant. And this could be where it turned because he's getting his freedom and now he's around dead bodies and young men's dead bodies. And this was the thing where he was able to live out his, I guess, sexual fantasy without having the, being without being hampered by I guess the memory of a living person or the, having to deal mm, with the personality yeah. of a living person. He's just like, well, here's a body of a boy and he's kind of sexy. So I just do all the sex stuff instead of trying to convince somebody to but have sex you know with you. how often that happens? I know it's appalling, but I was listening recently. You know, I'm a big fan of my favorite murder mm-hmm. podcast. 
And um, they have mini-sodes where people send in their hometown murders or yeah. their own kind of stories. And someone messaged them in, I think it was only last week's episode, about how her parents met. And it was in a morgue because oh, the mom worked geez. in a hospital and the dad was um, an orderly. And he, the dad, like they were quite young at the time, it was his job to wheel a dead body down to the morgue. But by law... And this is how common this is, that there is a law that young men cannot accompany dead bodies of women alone to a morgue. They have to be joined by someone else, and, by a woman. And it was the nurse and they fell in love while and they walking fell in dead love. bodies. Yeah, yeah. To, oh my God. But that's, and like listening to Imagine them talk Halloween about in this. Their house. Fucking hell. That is how common that is for young men to fondle dead bodies or abuse dead bodies that they had to bring in a law. To stop people being alone with dead bodies. I, I think it's the same for like the whole babysitting industry. Like traditionally it's young girls who are babysitters because they don't want young boys. Because like everybody knows that teenage boys between the ages of 13 and 18 will just touch their dick off everything in the whole house. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like I have this thing hanging off me and I'm just going to mess with touch it. Touch it. Until, until something happens. Like it, it's written. That's the crack. But like that's why... They say paedophiles are, you know, dirty old men and have glasses and beards and so all this whole kind of thing. But 85% of all paedophiles are aged between 18 and 24. Because it's those lads going like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know yeah. where my, 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 my sexual barometer lies. I have so many thoughts on paedophilia. Yeah. And so many opinions. And there's just so much to it. And it's, we used to try and touch on this on the show a bit, myself and Gordon. It's very hard. Very hard. And it's such a scary, horrific topic mm. for people. But it is an illness and it's something that people don't want to try and understand. As well, though, Lauren, there's a whole movement now of like pedo acceptance. I heard this. And they're, and trying, to get a, they're trying to get LGBTQP. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, but that's no, what they're no. trying to if do. If I was LGBTQ, I'd be pissed. And they are pissed. But there's there's like Swedish sociologists that are trying to get uh, uh, like pederasts and pedophilia accepted in society there's a a movement called the virtuous pedophile movement where and we talked about this at length in our jimmy savile episode and it very much equates to like the john wayne gacy case where this shit is happening where this guy was like john wayne gacy is thinking or imagining while he's raping these young boys that it's part of a consensual relationship mm -hmm. and later on in testimonies go like oh yeah they were totally into it they were into they're it. like dude you had to murder them afterwards so they wouldn't tell anybody yeah. and i like, know we're kind of going off now and i don't want to go down no, the, the, the pedophile lane but sure that's what we're in this is john wayne gacy country but i do feel and like do, do you ever watch that channel 4 documentary the pedophile next door yeah the majority of pedophiles never act on their impulses and that's what the virtuous paedophile movement says that I can think about it and I can do like imagination and it's wanks. Sick and but it's so long as I don't attack anybody, yeah. can I come out and say, Yes, I'm I'm attracted to children and blah blah blah. Like that's what they want is most this people freedom. people that abuse children are fucking child abusers. They're not pedophiles. And they, it drives me mad because you know, you see all these campaigns and people yeah. get stalked and like they have to be held up in guard stations because they're being, you know, chased by vigilante groups. The majority of those people are very unwell. Their chances are they're not pedophiles. They're child abusers. They're criminals. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But it's just, it's like people are afraid to go there to talk about pedophilia. We did I'm not a, saying I think it should an, be accepted. We did three episodes that are like seven hours long that we went into fairly rough stuff. Jimmy Savile was probably the most um, fritzel then as well. Like we went deep into the psychology of it. But there is a community there of people who are trying to get it 
recognized. Now, let's talk about like culture and society. How about, first of all, instead of accepting pedophilia as a... A, lifestyle. Le- a legitimate fucking sexual proclivity and a lifestyle that people can be pedosexual. Like there's people, there's like a, f- a 56 year old Australian man who self identifies as a six year old girl and he dresses up like that. And he's got another couple to adopt him as a six year old girl. And he lives his life like that because that's what his identity. It's like the nth degree of identity politics and intersectionality. Like these people are like, I feel like I'm a woman, but not only am I transgender, I'm also a six-year-old girl. So there's like, love is love. This kind of stuff, you know, a small hand inside of a big hand is the logo and all of these kind of things. Like, there are political and socially cult- social and cultural movements now that are trying to get this acceptance. And we were talking in um, the Jimmy Savile episode about how everyone was like, yeah, that's such, that's just what you do. You have little rent boys like 13, 14 years of age. There's a whole community of people online that are trying to get this stuff accepted and accepted in as part of the rainbow of of sexual predilections like that can't be done before we take on the drug addiction issue like why would we ratify pedophile's lifestyle before we go hey how about drug addiction is not a crime it's a mental disorder and instead of treating drug criminal uh, drug uh, uh, addicts like criminals how about let's treat them like patients with empathy first and instead of slapping them in jail for having a bit of crack put them in like a low security environment with counseling and pay for the counseling the mental the mental it's a minefield it is why don't you do that first First. before they start getting the pedophiles in and accepting them yeah let's leave the pedophiles no i know but it's just that's how i know what you mean and with with the whole um abhorrence of this <clears throat> lifestyle this gay gay community lifestyle that john wayne gacy's dad was totally against this pushed john further down into the murky depths of this and you're right i think like down the line did he really feel like he had done anything wrong that's he, he talked himself out of it like when he's working in in las vegas as a mortuary assistant he'd get into the to the trays or get into the cot beside these dead bodies he used to sleep in the mortuary he'd get in behind the dead body he'd have a little fondle and as part of a 1991 interview he told about how he'd get in there and he'd begin to feel sexual feelings and be close to orgasm and then feel like this disgusting have to hop out and he'd go and he'd flagellate himself and, and you know kind of make him purify himself as he said because he didn't want to feel those feelings. So he was still fighting that mm. gayness inside him while he's lying beside a dead young man's body, which is the closest oh. contact he could get. Yeah. I mean, you're in Vegas, dude. Surely you could find someone. <laughs> so your dad doesn't know where you are. You can find something more warm than like a fucking mortuary dead body, you know? Oh, but he, so grim. He ended up bouncing out of Las Vegas uh, after these kind of events. And he ended up coming back to Illinois and he enrolled in college, in Northwestern Business College, for, from which he graduated in 1963. And he worked for various different companies as a salesman and then ended up getting promoted to manager. And at this point, this is like a potential turning point. Now we're out of the dark. That was a I dark 20 like, minutes yeah, there. I feel like, that was a we're dark. Coming, <laughs> I feel like this. You got, I know, I'm okay, I'm okay. We're coming out of the darkness now. This is a turning point for John's life. He ends up meeting Marilyn Myers. They fall in love very quickly. And they're married in 1964, and her father was the franchisee of a, a bunch of KFC restaurants in Iowa, and John was hired on as the manager of these three restaurants, and he was put on a decent wage, which is $120,000 a year of today's wages. It was $12,000 at the time. And he's like, that's it. 
you're made. Yeah. Your daddy's proud. You have a wife. They had a kid very quick. Within a matter of months, he mm. went from fondling a dead body <laughs> in a yeah. morgue to running three K- KFCs and being happily married with kids. Like, what the fuck? Just, he's managing just a different type of meat. Do you know? He was it's in the mortuary going, do you want, do you want crispy or original? Ju- that is the perfect example of just how The American split, dream, Lauren. That's, how split <laughs> his personalities are. Like, he, you could, you can't even, they are two completely different people. Yeah. Living in this one when man's you say mind. like that, it's so mental. He goes from like fondling kids in the mortuary to the manager of a KFC. Like, how is he able to, how? I mean, we've done some mad shit in our teenage years in our early 20s. We're like, oh my God, I went, it was on a J1 and blah, blah, blah. But now this is like, yeah, How? yeah, I was yeah. Pu- pulling some dead kid's dick in a mortuary and now I'm like serving you crispy chicken. Like, this was a big change though because they had a kid and apparently this changed John's outlook on life. He was a great father. He, he, but <laughs> in saying that though, I'm watching a documentary. Um, It's not in the notes, but I, I remember there was a story of the night that his first child was born that oh, he went I down to the this, pub yeah. and he got hammered and he ended up going home with some young fella and the, the next day the wife was like, where's John? I have a baby. <laughs> and John woke up in some strange boy's bed and was like, oh, fuck. Ooh, got dressed and ran to the but hospital. That, and it, it does, it, as time goes on, his two personalities yeah. clash more and more and I think that um, early on, was a sign of just how on edge he was. Like, literally, his first child had just been born. Flip over. Flip over. He's like, he's Harvey Two-Face. It's it's MK Ultra Mind Control Disassociation. So, I don't know if you listened to the MK Ultra episode. It's from a few years ago. But basically, MK Ultra is the CIA uh, program whereby they would sexually abuse young kids to fracture their psyche to make them into multiple like multiple personality or disassociative identity disorder and then for the other identity they'd implant a load of stuff and then they could just go like three two one sleep okay now you're going to do this and this and this and they said that it's done to loads of celebrities like beyonce has sasha fierce and it's part of like monarch mind control kanye flipping out live a concert um tom cruise, tom cruise Nicki minaj has a separate personality she has like four or five and she talks about them do you ever see her in an interview and she starts going into an yeah, English accent? Because yeah. that English accent is a personality inside her head called Roman Zelansky. Is that she gave it a fucking second name. And that's the kid that makes her do all the shitty things. So later on in interviews, she made the mother of Roman who controls his bad behavior. Like she's mad with loads of different personalities. And they think it's because it's trauma-based mind control. Like John Wayne Gacy may not have been part of that CIA system, but definitely the the sexual abuse had a byproduct of splitting his personality into this very, uh, you know, austere and proper businessman. Mm. And then this it's fascinating kind of social degenerate. He can flip that switch. Amazing. Or is he in charge of that switch? I think he was early on. I think as he got older, the lines got blurred. And because he was being challenged by people, like he was being forced into situations where he's like, I'm going to have to act now. You're dead. Mm. Do you know? So he, uh, he was getting this substantial wage from uh, the manager's job and he was respected in the community and he was known as the colonel because he used to bring over buckets of chicken to the JC's group that he had now in Illinois, in Iowa. And being away from his father and kind of the judging eyes, he ended up making a lot of friends and he became this huge big deal in, in, in Iowa with his new wife and his kid and his businesses. And he kind of got into local politics there as well. And everyone knew John as this in-control dude. And he never showed, like there was very little of the Pogo the Clown, killer clown, murderer type John in this time in his life. 
It seemed to be happy and balanced. I read that he said that this was a perfect time. Perfect time. Perfect time. And he was having sex with his wife and not like thinking about dead bodies at all. And everything was totally fine until he got deep into the JCs. And then the fucking, the badness started to creep back in. They started watching the stag movies. They started doing all the coke and all the drinking. And some shady fucking shit was happening with this JCs group. Right? I'm not saying all fraternal organizations are shady. But they were involved in a lot of but, stuff. But yeah, they were doing some fucking shady shit, including opening up a social club, Maria, in the in the massive basement of this house in Iowa, where they would get kids from around the area to come and like play pool and he'd get them to drink beer. And maybe he wasn't the only one, but he dropped a hand a few times. And these are all like typical grooming techniques that we can see being used. Like even but even then people didn't know. Or it yeah. was just like, oh, sure, that's just the way it is. And he's the boss and he's in yeah. charge. And no one's going to listen to teenagers anyway. You want to come over to your social club? Play a bit of pool there, maybe, <laughs> Billy? Huh? Like that, that was, it was mm-hmm. fucking grooming, you know? So this led to the first sexual assault of the son of a JC's member called Donald Voorhees. And Donald was lured to Gacy's house on the promise that they'd watch a porno together. I mean, you're 15, you're like, oh, booby movie. Um, but you wouldn't go with creepy John Gacy, I don't know. He convinced Voorhees then to perform oral sex on him, uh, oral copulation as the, the charge is called. And this was the first in a string of very similar and escalating events. Uh, uh, some of these guys that he convinced to do that, he got these young lads to come over to the social club. Voorhees was the first, but he got other lads to come over. Also, and this is questionable now, I, don't, I read this, but I don't know if this is true because obviously the wife would know, but he convinced young lads to have sex with his wife. Wow, I'd never heard that before. I had never heard that before either. And I saw it read and I went, surely Marilyn would know that and break up with him. But she did, she did divorce him very quickly after this. So maybe that's part of it, mm. you know, that he had control over her. I someone. And now I'm sure there's loads of examples that people don't know what's going on. But you would think if this was going on in your basement, you would know. Yeah. I mean, if there's loads of kids and drinking and stuff and Marilyn is upstairs with a new baby in arms... You know, she's fucking cooking up the milk or whatever you have to do in the pot and making, making, you know, apple, apple sauce for the, for the kid and, you know, making dinners and being a housewife mm. and cleaning the house. And then downstairs there's fucking gay porn and yeah. young lads playing pool and drinking beer and orally copulating older men. If you didn't know that was going on in the basement, like there's something You'd wrong. wonder what was going on. You were on fucking turning your blind yeah. eye, I would imagine. Mm. So there was a, bu- a bunch of these dudes. One of them, he said convince him to ride his wife and then he blackmailed that kid for weeks and got that kid to come over and do sex stuff to him because mm. he said or else i'm gonna tell your your ma like manipulating people he he blackmailed uh young lads into coming over to the house by stuff that he knew from talking to their fathers so he'd get information on the kids and then ask them over and say okay i want you to do sex stuff with me as part of a scientific social experiment that i'm doing on behalf of the jc's and you get 50 dollars every time you come over and do it so it's basically like saying whatever he could to get young lads over to the house. The audacity is shocking at times and it gets even worse. So you're it just gets like, worse, but how? But it's again, it's it goes back to that too. power, that yeah. position of power and money and connections. You can get away with anything. How simple Especially is it? Especially in the 70s. To say to a 14 year old kid, oh, I'm conducting a social experiment to see how how good 14 year old boys can give blowjobs and I'll give you 50 bucks if you come over do you want to be part of that experiment all they hear is 50 bucks 50 bucks and 50 bucks and that was a lot of money back then like I don't know if I'd be doing it like there was lads in Ireland doing it for a bag of tato and a bottle of coke I'm like you've totally undersold yourself lads (laughs) you could have got way more you know 
So this led to all of these sexual assaults. And then this uh, 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 young lad, Voorhees, ended up getting stung. He ended up reporting or tr- starting to report John Wayne Gacy going like, that guy made me suck his dick. And Gacy employed this guy called Russell, Russell Schroeder, uh, who was an employee and part of the, the, the JC's community. He got him to go and spray mace and bait the shit out of Voorhees and then forced Voorhees to perform oral sex on him as some kind of weird, like, what the fuck? So he did this type of thing to many employees and he, he, he gave them 50 bucks and they were, they were employed in the KFC. Like, he was getting young lads that worked in KFC and doing this to them. He was getting lads that were sons of his JC's um, uh, kind of cohorts and doing this stuff. So uh, uh, Voorhees in, in March 1968 reported these events to his father and then tried to the police. And Gacy was arrested and charged with sodomy in the Voorhees case. And uh, this attempted assault on this other kid, Edward Lynch, who was a 16-year-old from the area, where he tried to rape him and Edward tried to run away and he bet the shit at him. He didn't get to do anything sexual with him, but it was tagged onto this charge. Can you imagine, like, abusing a kid and then abusing another kid with giving the award of abuse for abusing the kid that you abused in the first place? Like, he was making these employee, young, part-time employees at KFC do sex stuff to him and each other as some kind of, like, weird battleground punishment. Like, that is a real Nobody master would believe manipulator. It. This is how he got away with it, because it's so... Yeah. It would even be unbelievable today. But it's the same as the Franklin Credit Union scandal or the thing from the Keepers, like where there was like a priest that was passed from school to school to yeah. school, sexually abusing hundreds of girls in like a half a dozen schools. People are reporting it and no one's believing it. Look at Ireland. Fuck yeah. how many people in Ireland were abused and no one believed it. Or people think, you know, someone else will deal with that. Yeah. It's not our war to I fight. I don't want to get involved in that. Bananas. So yeah, so Donald Voorhees uh, ended up then accusing him to his father uh, saying that Gacy did this shit and Gacy was like, absolutely not. He ended up getting charged. Uh, Gacy claimed it was a false accusation from the father of Donald Voorhees, who was, dum-dum-dum, running in political opposition to Gacy for president of the local Waterloo chapter in Iowa of the JCs. And because he was such a sound lad, he provided him all with fried chicken. They believed him. It's usually at this point that this is where someone gets found out, charged, and that is the end of it. Yeah, but he was facilitated by his matey mates and his buddy buds and all the fucking secret handshake gang. There's so many examples of this kind of shit Totally. Happening. Getting off. Do you know that Brock... Uh, the swimmer. Yeah, the swimmer guy, Brock Turner. His dad was basically like, come on, you're not going to prosecute Brock for 20 minutes indiscretion. And you're like, dude, he raped some girl behind a dumpster for 20 minutes. Yeah. He needs to go to jail. But he's such a promising career ahead of him. Promising white bread. Yeah. Promised fucking, what is it? There's uh, too many examples of this kind of thing of, this was the point. This was where you had him, but you fucked it up. Yeah. And the lads went, look at, uh, Voorhees is probably trying to take over so he's after using his young lad to throw out some spurious stuff because obviously John Wayne Gacy was known to the rest of the JCs because they're all watching porn. And like, Possibly, all, all, yeah. possibly all riding young lads in the basement, doing drugs, doing mad shit. I do find it hard to believe he was the only person abusing young men. I yeah. absolutely think so. Like, they're all in the basement, they're all doing some shit. 
And then, and then Voorhees goes, hey, you fucked my child. And, and John is like, come here, lads. Do we all want to get caught? Yeah. How about let's support yeah. me? That's a more believable uh, narrative than these guys thought that John was such a, such an upstanding citizen that there's no way could he possibly... Like, they're all in a fucking basement having a sly wank over some pornos that John Wayne Gacy has procured. Mm-hmm. Like, which is a more believable narrative, yeah. you know? So had Marilyn divorced him at this stage? Not just yet. Okay, but it's coming close. It's coming. It's coming. She knows the crack. The basement dwellers. He was imprisoned for the sodomy of Voorhees and for other crimes against young men in 1968. And at the end of 1968, his wife went, yeah, it's over. But he had to have been in prison first. He was accused for ages and she stood by him, babe in arms. I think they had two kids at that point. Mm-hmm. And eventually she went, okay, listen, if you're in jail because of that shit, it's over. 1969, they're totally divorced and all this info that was coming out about the carry on of the JC's group started to become public and she was like, I can't have anything to do with that. So he was a model prisoner in prison and he supervised loads of inmate activities, including the installation of a mini golf course in the prison yard. Nice. A revolutionary stint in the prison kitchen where he got fucking TV interviews where he's like, you've revolutionized how... The, the food distribution system works in this prison. He's a clever guy and yeah. he's, yeah, he's likable, manipulative. Mm. And they didn't mention his crime on TV. They were just like, here's inmate John Wayne Gacy. John, tell us about what you're doing. And he's like, and then, and we make Christmas turkey and the boys can take as much as they like so long as they eat what they take. And it's like such this benevolent dude. Um, he, he also <laughs> increased the JC organizational membership inside the jail from 50 JCs to 650 in 18 months. So basically he's going around the whole, the whole prison going, do you want to join this junior junior chamber? I'll sort you out. This is the crack. Yeah. Like, what was going on that 600 extra dudes in uh, uh, Illinois prison were like, oh yeah, I feel like I'm going to be a, a, a small businessman when I get out of here. Like, that's pointing fingers at the JCs. And he put out all these like new social programs for development and business development and stuff. So these guys would have something to do when they got out of prison. So also while in prison, in an effort to throw off this case of Voorhees, he got Schroeder to do the spray thing, bet the shit out of him. And then Schroeder was arrested and charged. And then he confessed to being paid $300 by Gacy to do this thing. And then Gacy was charged additionally with that while in prison. And yet he got out still on good behavior even though from prison he coerced a young lad to sexually assault actually assault and bribed a young fella to 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 do that as an obstruction of justice for a case that he was already in jail for like this is the time where you're going yeah you're going in for 10 years boss laughable so he ended up uh, uh he ended up staying in prison for a little while and while he was in prison a couple of days before christmas his dad finally died he bit the dirt from, uh, from cirrhosis of the liver, from his alcoholism. But what John internalized was, because he was in jail for gay sodomy my up fault. the bum, that I fucking broke my I dad's heart and I killed him. Now that's something that's got to be emotionally scarring when you're already in jail and this like yeah, dark force that's been hanging over you. their background, their relationship, that I think that may be what tipped him over the edge. Do you think? It's, it's nineteen sixty nine. He's already committed some sex crimes, but no murders yet. I think he tries yet. to get it back. I think we'll see him try and get it back. But I think that definitely a massive amount of guilt. I think from from doing the gay stuff and having his dad absolutely know he was doing it and being lamped for it. 
he he implanted here. He supplanted that guilt upon himself in his dad's death, as anybody does with the, the death of a parent. Or like, could I have done more? Could I have been there? Like mm. all this kind of stuff. He was dying slowly, and John couldn't visit him because he was in jail. Loads of emotions going on here, but he ended up being allowed to leave prison. Uh, and uh, 18, 18 months after he was incarcerated, he got out after 18 months, if you can imagine, for the sodomy of a young man and coercion and bribery and blackmail. And he only got 18 months uh, and then he got uh, 12 months probation from a 10-year sentence that, that he was handed That's down. insane. So he was handed a 10-year sentence, did 18 months and got 12 years probation. He's and laughing. He, he can start all over again. Doesn't now. give a fuck. 18 months, man. Like, you know what I mean? So he ended up moving back in with his mother in Chicago. Fun. And he was put under a 10 p.m. curfew. But she can do a lot between 8 in the morning and 10 at night. Yeah. Do you know? So he ended up uh, becoming a short order cook in a local restaurant. And he just totally forgot about Iowa and left all the, the badness behind him. He was living in Chicago, started to get his life back on track. And in 1971, he was again charged with sexually assaulting another young boy. But it was thrown out of court, Lauren, because the young lad never turned up to testify. I wonder why. It's not like he had previous. How the fuck can you overlook that I do, stuff? I don't know how at this point that's not him locked up and done and dusted. It's a, t- it's a pattern of behaviour. Yeah. How is he getting out on parole? He's starting with this to get year? really down about this. <laughs> he's on parole. I know. He's on parole and he's doing some shit. And like if you're on parole and you're, and you're out past 10, you're supposed to be like straight back in jail. If you skip the state, straight back in jail. What do you think it was? Just just he was part of the JCs, man. He was yeah, high five. Yeah, still the connections. I, yeah. would, I would 100% guarantee yeah. that's what it is. So uh, he... He was about for this kid that he was supposed to have assaulted. He got he he met him in a bus terminal. Tried to force the kid to have sex with him. The kid never turned up uh, uh, to the to the court, and then the parole board never knew of this incident because it never actually went to court. Uh, and because it was in an Iowa court, and he was allowed to go home and live with his mother, so it never got that far. And in uh, 1971, in October, his parole ended, and he was a hundred percent free man. And not only that, but the file on his criminal convictions in Iowa was sealed. So that when he's looking up on, on different reports, it doesn't show up that he's a criminal because he's served his time. Or if he's accused of anything else again now in the future, it doesn't... It doesn't show up on the, show on the database. Up. And we're talking about the 70s. Stuff isn't like computerized. It's not centralized. You could do anything in the 70s. It's the Wild West, like you said. It seemed like it. That's why there's so many serial killers. Uh, so in 1971, good year for John. He got he got uh, acquitted. His parole finished. And he ended up getting engaged to his second wife, Carol Hoff. Uh, and she had two young daughters already, and they all moved in together. And then one week before the wedding, he was arrested and charged again with battery from a young man called Jackie D, who said that Gacy was impersonating a police officer. He pulled him over by the side of the road, flashed his badge, and forced him to perform oral sex through the window of a car. See, this again is, he's tipping. tipping. He's got the perfect life. Mm-hmm. Everything is falling into place. Things are going well. And there's something, there's like a flicker of light. Because he's married to a woman. And he wants to be. It's like you know when the electricity is about to go out, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the lights start in a to flicker. Storm, you're like, in a thunderstorm. <gasps> yeah, that's what happens. Him is like things are going the way he thinks, or the way society thinks yeah. they should be, and everything is perfect. It's falling into place, but there's this part of him that's like, "Fuck no." He wants to chase oblivion. Yeah, that's it. So he ends up pretending to be a cop, shining the light in lads' eyes, and going, "I'll let you off with this if you fucking suck my knob through the window." And they do. And he, he, it said he'd done this like. A couple of dozen times. Now, whether any of those guys got killed, their car was driven into a lake or they got rid of the bodies. We don't know. Nobody knows. But he has said, I did that a lot of times. Uh, and it escalated into then, like, you know, the killings and the floorboards and stuff. But who knows how many were killed on the side of the road? 
So before we go too much further, I just want to say thanks to HelloFresh, who've teamed up with us today for this episode, and they're giving everyone in the TCG audience a special offer for 2019. Get $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes at HelloFresh.com when you use the offer code TCG60. Or head direct to HelloFresh.com slash TCG60 or use the link in the description below. Those Conspiracy Guys is all about that 2019 goals, man. And HelloFresh makes conquering the kitchen in 2019 a reality with simple and delicious recipes using seasonal pre-measured ingredients that are delivered right to your door. You can spend less time planning meals, shopping, cooking and all the things that make food a chore. And these meals from HelloFresh come together in 30 minutes. And they use minimal pots and pans, which saves time on cleaning up and washing up. And all the ingredients are pre-measured and ready to go with easy-to-use recipe cards that can turn you into an instant expert. There are three plans to choose from, a classic, veggie, and even a family plan. And the choice has got even bigger now with 20-minute meals, gourmet, and one-pot wonders. So get out of that recipe rut and try some delicious, new, easy-to-make meals. Well, I can't personally try HelloFresh yet because I'm still in Ireland, uh, but we have a friend of ours to try it. So we have Adam from the other Kansas City, Missouri, uh, here who's tried HelloFresh this week. He got a little package uh, with a few tasty treats inside of it. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing good. Good to talk Great, to you. Great, man. Thanks for coming on. So you got a little HelloFresh package. Yeah. Uh, and uh, how, how did it come packaged? Like it arrived to the house, it was delivered? Yeah, it was in a big box and it had a cold pack inside, so everything was kept nice and cold and is ready to go nice one and it's full of healthy ingredients fresh ingredients uh how how much time would it save you like all the stuff that came in that box how much time would it save you in shopping in the supermarket to get all of that stuff in those quantities (laughs) well uh it would definitely save me time i'm a really slow shopper my wife can whiz through the store and and the supermarket and get everything she wants really quick but this would save us having to get so much and it, and it would save time having to pack up the kids in the car and go and it was great having it come to the door super handy like it, it all comes in these pre-measured ingredients right so you get exactly what you need for each meal so you're making a meal for two you were making meals for two or was it making for, for the rest of the family too uh we're making for two but i shared with my my son so nice. it was for and two a, and a half he's two, really tiny so. <laughs> slap an extra one in there so the pre-measured yeah. ingredients like it means that you're not overcooking and you're also not over shopping. So a lot of times people are like buying too much stuff, cooking too much stuff and then throwing some of it away. So did you find that the portions were all good? Yeah, the portions were good. Um, so many times we go and we'll to the supermarket, and we'll buy something and we have to buy more of it than we need. And then you end up either having to have the same thing two, three, four nights in a row. Yeah. Or, you know, you got to refreeze part of it and you're constantly refreezing and thawing. And this was great. So especially because when we cook, I normally have the, we cook together a lot, but I get the job of measuring everything out and putting however much we need of everything aside. And it's really my least favorite part. So it was really nice to have it all ready to go. And this made your this made your job a lot easier. You were saying yep. that uh, in Missouri, you're big fans of barbecue. So the ingredients that you got, like it was all fresh meat. It was all good quality stuff, right? Yeah, we, we know good meat here. Nice and tender, good quality meat. And um, it was great. It was really good, high quality. We could You could definitely tell. And what kind of stuff were you getting? Like, what what were the the meals like? So uh, we got the the burgers, the Monterey Jack burgers were were probably my favorite. Um, although all of them were great, and then we really liked the pork chops, and then we also had some chicken quesadillas, and all three of those meals had great sides. And what 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 comes with the sides? Like, you get potatoes, you get yeah. Well, our favorite was probably uh, the zucchini. I call them zucchini fries. Uh, they just call them the crispy breaded zucchini. Um, they're great. And then uh, you know you get a salad. They they did a really good job of making sure that you've got, um, you know, lots of fruit and veggies 
in all your meals. So the fruit really gives it gives it nice flavor and, and kind of brings it all around. Sweet and salty. It's all it's all kind of there. Makes makes that. a difference from like lashing in like frozen oven fries or something like that, right? Yep, and been there, done that. They come in each bag, so the bags are all separated inside the big bag for each meal, right? And it comes with a, a recipe card. So, like, are you a good chef? Did you would you consider yourself a a, a connoisseur of of food? Like, do you <laughs> do you cook easy? Did this make it easier for you? Like, you knew what you were doing. It absolutely made it easier for me because I like to, you know, I'm lazy about measuring things, and so if I'm going through a recipe on my own, I always guess. You know, you know, I'm just kind of pinching stuff off, you know, <laughs> yeah. on my own. And, you know, I kind of like looking in the glass thinking, oh, that's about, you know, three quarters of a cup or whatever it is. And I guess a lot because I'm just impatient. So it was it was nice to have so much of that already done. And it actually makes you feel like a better chef than you really are. So I heard I heard from people who have who have like testified for HelloFresh before that there's little like super expert tips, you know, to make the glaze real nice. And there's little bits at the bottom that you wouldn't think of like that, that made the difference, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it would kind of tell you if you like it more like this, you know, cook it this long, or if you like it tastes more like this and you cook it a little less, you know, you know, temperature a little higher, or a little lower. It definitely gave those things if you wanted to get more detailed. That's brilliant. Yeah. So would you be a HelloFresh? You're on the, on the hook for a HelloFresh subscription. Are you, are you thinking about it? Oh, I definitely absolutely would do it because, you know, I, I work, I come home late. Uh, you know, we've got a two-year-old and going to the store is kind of a chore, you know, especially late in the evening and you're tired and this is definitely uh, up our alley. My my wife especially was really impressed. She's like, "So are we? Are, are we going to do this again?" Like, <laughs> Put the pressure on. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thanks a million for joining us, Adam, and thanks for uh, testing out the food and talking with us today. Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. So there you have it. HelloFresh was a hit in Adam's house, anyhow. So if you want to get some HelloFresh into your life and get sixty dollars off, that's twenty dollars off your first three boxes by going to hellofresh.com/tcg60 and using the code TCG60 then you can get great, fresh food delivered right to your door. The links and code will be in the description below that you can click on, and I will take you straight there, or head to hellofresh.com slash tcg60 and use the code tcg60 to get $60 off. That's $20 off your first three boxes. And a big thank you to HelloFresh for supporting our show. So this is, as we said, kind of, yeah, he's tipping now, and this is where it all starts to get really, really out of control for Gacy, yeah. because even though he's got the wife, He's got her kids. He's Things out are of going the mass well. house. He's Life out of the mass good. house. Life in Iowa is forgotten about. Yeah. There's still this madness. And like we said earlier on, the more you do, the more you get away with, the more you're going to try and do. So he's upped his game. Uh, started um, uh, his own company, PDM Contractors. So like with the JCs, lots of young guys yeah. floating around, Working. wanting to make money. <laughs> Day he's laborers. the powerful businessman. Here, listen, I'll sort you out. Come over to my house. I'll give you fifty dollars. We watch a watch a video. And this is where I think it gets really, really sinister because there's a number of stories here where, again, it's that whole well, this this older guy, this businessman, my boss is telling me to do something. I'm going to do it. No one listens to teenagers; they just do what they're told. He's not going to be held accountable no. for anything. So there's a, it's a, an abuse of power situation, a power position, hundred yeah. percent. And when someone abuses their power and they get called out all they have to say is oh look i i was it was only a joke i was only testing you it was only this it was only that yeah there's so many and people will believe them so this is how he started getting young guys into his home so at this point now pogo starts to appear yeah 
He's finding a nice, comfy baseline of familial life. He has a wife, an already imported family, like somebody else's Perfect kids. family, yeah. On, uh, from the outside, driving around in the Oldsmobile, the two kids in the back, it's like the fucking wonder years, right? Now, what's different with Carol, the second wife, is that he was quite open with her about mm. his sexual tendencies. He told her, I'm bisexual. She seems okay with it for now. They had sex a little bit at the start. And then about a year after they got married, he went, I'm not having sex with you anymore. But don't worry, I'm not going to cheat on you or fall in love with anyone else. But I might do some gay shit. Okay. And she's like, yeah, go on. Yeah. Go, listen, not your grand. Right. Yeah. This is the first murder that he's confessed to. But like you said earlier on, who knows yeah. when he was posing as a police officer if he actually killed anyone. But I feel like we've been building to this point. I feel yeah. like, and he's so proud of himself as well in interviews. I think if he had killed earlier than now, we would know about it. Yeah. That's just my opinion though. I think he would have confessed and said like, I did that shit. Mm. He seems quite braggadocious. Totally. Yeah. Which I'm even a bit like, fuck it, and we're talking about him so much. He'd love this. But <laughs> anyway, would, yeah. Timothy McCoy turns out to be the first victim mm. that Gacy has confessed to. Picked him up from a bus terminal. A lot of this is kind of... Same old, same old. Same old, same old. His MO. Uh, told him he could spend the night at the house. He helps runaways, etc. Come in, you can stay over. This, I feel... The reason I believe that this is the first murder is because it kind of fell into his hands yeah it was but, a, it was almost an accident an accident even. what yeah. Gacy says is that he woke up the next morning McCoy was standing over him with a knife in his hand they wrestled McCoy gets killed Gacy buries him in the crawl space yeah when he went into the kitchen he realized that McCoy had actually been making breakfast yeah. the table was set for two people <laughs> and he'd been chopping something and which I think is completely understandable you yeah. would have a knife in your hand he just went to wake him to say hey man just to say thank you before I head back to the bus terminal yeah. I made you some breakfast hope that's not a problem yeah. but instead he ends up in the crawl space imagine that shit so that that is why I would believe that that is the first murder because it fell into his lap yeah it played out perfectly and he got away with it. And it could be the first time as well that John Wayne Gacy has been in a, a, a sexual situation with someone who was reciprocal. And it wasn't like a forced or coerced or blackmailed sexual situation yeah. that this kid was actually like, hey, what's up? Hey, Johnny. Mm. Hey, Johnny, man. Bring me home and it's I'll make so you bacon tragic. and eggs. It's like, so, so tragic. It's bananas. His wife was, was, was kind of twigging to all of this kind of stuff before this incident. And she was seeing like, you know, a, a string of young boys being brought home to the house. So this wasn't the first young lad to be brought home. He was picking up lads at, at bus stations and shit like that. She's finding gay porn all over the basement. And she was going like, this is not cool. But she stuck around for five years. Five whole years she stuck around. Yeah. Watching this stuff happen. Her not being uh, part of his sexual life, but still being his housewife and having the two kids. He was providing money-wise so, I mean, how many relationships are out there like that? Do you know? Well, you have to wonder. And I suppose you can never judge. We don't know no, her reasons for staying. But I do think... If you're watching a litany of young lads being paraded into a, a, I, a, a social club basement and then some of them don't come out. Well, yeah, when some of them yeah. stop leaving the basement. And, you know, as we move on and we'll hear more about it, you know, he she was like, it smells... <laughs> It smells like the sea. It smells it smells pretty gross, John. And he blamed it on like mold and yeah. like leaky pipes and general like that. wank odor. I think at this point, if you have any fucking brain cells in your head, you would twig something really sinister is happening. I mean 
Here's me saying I wasn't going to judge her, but I'm 100% judging her now. If, at the but same, then you don't yeah. know. Was same like, as Joseph Fritzl's wife. Like some shit was going on. Guy. How yeah. do you know that she didn't know? Like if, you're, if your basement has Thunderdome rules where two men enter and one man leaves, you should be fucking asking questions. To be fair. But again, we can't judge because well, yeah. maybe he's like, don't ask questions or I'll close your eye for Well, you. that's exactly it. Like we don't know the yeah. kind of relationship. And if he grew up in an abusive home, Who's to say that he wasn't abusing his own family? But yeah, Timothy oh, McCoy yeah, that's is... Even, that's, I didn't even think about that, like that he might just be doing stuff to her as well. Yeah. I had it all focused on like he didn't care about women. He was just all about men. But sure, how did he keep these people under? How do we know? Yeah. And he's such a master manipulator. Well, this, these, these kind of relationships, these like uh, dalliances, these uh, uh, bus station, you know, suck and fuck situations that were being... Jesus Christ, that were, That's what they're called. We're being brought... It's a terminology. They're being brought back to the bus, uh, to the basement and kind of stuff was happening. Tim got the, got the stabbing. He realised this was the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, he thought, oh my God, he had what was called a mind orgasm, he called it. And we've, we, I've seen this from so many true crimes that we've done over the last while, that it happens. That sometimes they actually can't, uh, like with Chikatilo, he, he couldn't get a physical orgasm. Who was so like he that it. here? Um, like the Elaine O'Hara case. Yeah. Like he needed that to was, choke. He, was, he wanted to draw blood. Yeah, yeah. He wanted like, and he was building up yeah. to killing her. It's a thing. It's, it's a thing. absolutely it. And Timothy McCoy was, you know, the, the one who opened the door. The unlucky recipient. And he, he, he yeah, he did. It was the, it was the opening of the floodgates. Yeah, and forget door, floodgates. Yeah, floodgates, absolutely. Like the elevator doors in the shining. Now, his missus is gone. John's on his own. He has a massive wage. He has a huge company behind him. A huge empty basement ready to be filled to the gilders with young lads' bodies. And he has a thirst for blood. And now we come to the cruising years. So we're talking about 1976 to 1978 until he's incarceration. And this is, is two solid years fall. of game on John Wayne Gacy action. It's pretty terrifying. It uh, so yeah, as you said, most of the murders are between 76 and 78. Dozens yeah. of young men went into the Thunderdome, as you call it. <laughs> yeah. uh, they went missing from their homes. And it, as master, we've heard, master. it's usually young women. Yeah. But um, it's, it's young men in the case of Gacy yeah. that they're runaways. Yeah, and they're, they're probably of of that kind of predilection as well, where they're like kind of rent boys, maybe. Promiscuous. Or, yeah, and they, they have, had it coming. Why would anyone look for them? And it's only when down the line, Gacy starts actually um, preying on young men who have families, who have people who care about him, that he ends up getting caught. Yeah. But there is so many, like you said at the very start, there's only 33 bodies. That's all we know about. I, then, I put all of the money I own in the world on the fact that there are more bodies and more will eventually turn up as these massive paedophile rings have been Only recently they're un- saying with DNA they are able to do more sketches yeah. of victims. I was only reading that. But here's the thing and I go back to my favourite murder again because the episode they did on John Wayne Gacy I think it was Karen said that when eventually and I know I'm skipping forward again just for a second but when eventually they did go into his house and into the crawl space and they had the warrant to find the bodies Gacy knew where every single body was. Like he remembered which boy was where, which is really fascinating to me because it shows that maybe part of him did care. Also, I would imagine from what I've read of other serial killers or other serial sexual uh, uh, abusers that he's remembering that stuff as he masturbates. So he's remembering those guys' names. He has their pictures and he knows exactly okay, where they're going so to be. So it's more of a gratification I would thing imagine than so. a sentimental. Oh, With, he was a lovely boy. 
Yeah, I don't think it was a sentimental thing. He doesn't thing. give I as think, much of a fuck about them as I think he does. Yeah, it's it's said to be afterwards like a sentimental thing. Like Fred West was t- was alleged himself to uh, go down to the end of the garden and stand over the point in the patio where he'd buried his daughter, Heather. And he said, I used to go down the end of the garden and used to cry and remember and feel really bad that I cut Heather up into pieces and put her in a small hole in the ground. And he even said that her ghost would come up and say, it's okay, Dad, it's okay. Uh, you know, I'm not in pain, I forgive you. Like, he himself would have hallucinations Fucking of his daughter hell. at the end of the garden forgiving him. Like, it's it's a set, total self-gratification thing. Okay, I, I was kind of going to give Gacy a bit of slack and be like, at least you remembered where each of them were. I pulled the black outlines on your sliver yeah. of hope shining my little, my little theory there did not pan out. And yeah, like, loads of them are still unidentified, so I suppose that was a bit of a... A wing and a prayer. Yeah, I think gave a shit. He, he could have given up their names. He could have said, I met them here, I met them there. Give more identifying characteristics so that their families could find them. But they were only the ones that were in the house and a couple in the river. Like how he many ran were out of room in the house. Yeah. This is it. How many were out in the road? How many were how many were in the forest somewhere? How many like between Chicago and Iowa, that's there's a long way between them two places, you mm. know? And he had the car as well. But, like, how did he get them in then? What's the, the modus operandi? How does these operations go? So it's usually with um, a promise of either money or shelter or gay porn, things yeah. like that, you know. And uh, th- there's one story, and I don't know if, it, if we have it in our notes, but of, um, like, a guy who was, like, a high school wrestler who kind of took him on. Oh, yeah. Anthony. Anthony, An- yeah, we Ananucci. do, yeah. Antonucci. And he managed to get out of the handcuffs. Yeah. So what Gacy used to do was, and this kind of plays into the Pogo the Clown yeah. act, is he'd be like, here, do you want to see this trick I can do with handcuffs? Yeah. And you're stoned. You've been watching porn. You've had a few drinks. Who doesn't want to play the handcuff game? Yeah, go on. Go on. So he'd slap the handcuffs on them and then that would be it. Curtains. Want to see this <laughs> rope I have? I have this rope trick I do. <laughs> yeah. And then he would strangle them. But what happened with this Anthony Antonucci kid was he was pretty strong. He was a high school wrestler. And when Gacy slapped the handcuffs on him, they didn't close properly. One of his hands was free. And when Gacy left the room and came back, Anthony took him on. And going back to what we were saying earlier about Gacy being in this powerful position of being like, he just turned around. He said, oh, you passed the test. Yeah. Well done. Well done. You passed the test. Antonucci managed to get Gacy in the handcuffs. And after loads of screaming... Yes, he was like, let me out of this thing, you little prick, like screaming at him. He goes, yeah, okay, you won. Let me out. And Antonucci let him out of the handcuffs. Thought it was a game. And then he left and he went, you're lucky. Like, that guy. That is how fucking clever he is. I mean, how can he but get it? He was in the handcuffs. He was getting away trying to rape a guy. And yeah. then the guy let, let him go. Do you know? But it's such a, a childish, juvenile, low rent way. Do you want to see a magic trick? Yeah. You know, and, and if the, the magic trick on. doesn't go well, it's like, oh, but well, that's the trick. <laughs> that's the joke. Joke's on yeah. you. And he would kind of try. He's so manipulative. Yeah. And he had had years and years of experience and he's been getting away with it. So like, it's like anything, any con, any trick, any, any anything that you're trying to get people to do. If you do it with confidence, mm. why wouldn't someone believe you? Look at David Blaine. Yeah. Shazam. But what he used to do was put the handcuffs on them. And then they'd be like, uh, yeah, so the handcuffs are on there. What's the trick? And then they hold up the key and go, the trick is you got to have the key. And then straight away, oh. he'd throw a little rope over with, made with a tourniquet and he'd have like the little handle on it. And in the interview from 91, so there's two interviews, one's 91 and one's 92. The interview from 91 is like, uh, and then I just uh, throw the tourniquet over the head and two, maybe three, uh, maybe four turns. And that's it. 
they're dead. Choke them out. Do what I want. And it was so nonchalant in how he described how the tourniquet went on. Like, as soon as the handcuffs were on, there was no, like, hanging around for torture or giving him time to scream. Because he didn't care if they were alive or dead. Didn't. He just, like, the handcuffs go on. You can't fight back. I'm choking you. It's game over. And then as soon as they were dead, he had his way. So it was like this yeah, kind of... Yeah, he'd hang on to them. Hang on to them for, for 24 hours. Yeah, he 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 keep them for 24 to 48 hours in the bed and he, he snuggle with them in the bed and do whatever. You say but, that like it's a really cute thing? But after he'd like rape their dead bodies, you know, oh, then sorry. he would snuggle uh, and keep them for like two days and go to work and come home and they'd still be in the bed. And then when they started to deteriorate, let's say for want of a better term, he, he'd get them and put them in the crawl, space. In the crawl space. But like that's totally fucked. He, he ran out of space in the crawl space and he started fucking them over the uh, I-55 bridge into the De Plains River. So how many went in there? He said, I think seven, as far as I remember, from mm-hmm. the number body count. Seven went into the river. Who knows? Like bananas. It could be any amount. And they're all gone, you know. So a month after his, his divorce to his second wife, uh, he, he really hopped into high gear. Uh, he abducted 18-year-old Daryl Simpson uh, and five weeks later, 15-year-old Randall Reflett. Now, you can go and look and see the gory details of how we murdered all these kids and it's all it's all out there like there's um but we're depressed enough as it is yeah. right now so we're not going Lauren's hanging it. on by a thread yeah. <laughs> the hormones are racing up and down the legs oh of her trousers oh my god it's terrible so uh, there, there, there is a YouTube video that has all the details of the murders there's another one that has the full biography of John Wayne Gacy including interviews there are two videos that are full like hour long interviews and then there's another one that's an overview of the case so I'm going to find all of those and put them up on the BitChute channel bitshoot.com slash those conspiracy guys and uh, so Randall Reflett 15 years old five weeks after Daryl Simpson uh, only hours after Reflett was reported missing another 14 year old Samuel Stapleton was abducted Uh, In June 76, then 17-year-old Michael Bonney disappeared. And 10 days after that, William Carroll was murdered, another 17-year-old. So he started off with very young kids, you know. Uh, This kind of frequency and, and I guess, veracity in his attacks continued all through the summer of 76. Took a small break until October then, when 16-year-old Kenneth Parker and William Bundy were killed on the same weekend. Last weekend in October, coming up to Halloween, one on the 26th and one on the 28th. So, you know... He, he had an insatiable appetite, let's say. Uh, other victims then all the way through uh, 77. There was one or two after October before Christmas. And then from 77 all through the year, there was John Zizek at 19, John Prestige 20, Matthew Bowman 19, Robert Gilroy 18, John Maori 19, Russell Nelson 21, Robert Winch 16 years of age, Tommy Bowling 20, David Talsma 19, William Kindred 19, Timothy O'Rourke 20, Frank Landingen 19, James Mazzara 20, and Robert Peast was the final one at 15 years of age. Now, you can see there, Lauren, like, he he abducted uh, uh, young, young men at the very start and tried to get his technique going. And you can see with the ages, they were in chronological order, so mm. they're going from 14, 15 to 19 and 20. So maybe he's getting guys who are... Maybe a bit more experienced. Yeah, cruising for a, a bit, piece yeah. of ass, like, doing all that. And it, it, some of them were engaging in sexual contact with him without the handcuff trick yeah like you said yeah because some of it you know, when he's convinced himself a lot of it was consensual maybe some of these young men were um but obviously they all end up in the crawl space and what's so interesting is when they eventually got in and started uncovering the bodies 
you can tell by the way they're buried and how they're lying that some of them, you know, went in on top of each other. Yeah. Some were kept out for longer than others, like we mentioned yeah. earlier on. And so it was very difficult for police to figure out who'd been killed when. In what order. In yeah. what order. So you would wonder if at any point... Is there some of them tied up? Are they being kept alive? Are they being killed straight away? Maybe some of the old or older ones were killed straight away because they could put up more of a fight. Maybe some of the younger I ones think, are being kept alive. I think the opposite. I think that the younger ones were more likely to struggle. And from what I read, the older ones were gay dudes okay. who were coming back. And there was like a guilt in Gacy that was like, well, you're not abducting a 20 year old. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're going like, hey, bro, you want to come back for a few brewskis? And we watch an old stag film and we suck each other off. Yeah. But the shame inside Gacy from that thing that his father gave him was like, well, you're not going to be able to leave her alive with the story that you came over to my house to ride me because I'm a man about town. I'm, a, I'm an important person in the JCs and all. So you're brown bread. Yeah. Like, that's Maybe the way I would imagine. Maybe that makes a bit more sense, yeah. That it would have went. Like... Some of them could have survived. So, you know, and people did get away from him. Yeah, they absolutely did. There was, uh, uh, he abducted a young man called Robert Donnelly, who he raped and tortured uh, uh, and uh, with, with candle wax and there was all sorts of stuff, uh, drowned repeatedly and resuscitated. So he did keep lads and tortured them for longer periods. But uh, the Antonucci guy ended up flipping the, flipping the script on him uh, and escaping. And he had other guys that were maybe not reporting that it was Gacy because it was like, you know, they'd say, hey, John Wayne Gacy, that shit to me. And people wouldn't believe them as, you know, loads of mm. other victims did. You had Donald Voorhees, which was one of his first like uh, uh, oral copulation victims that ended up escaping and no one believed him. So surely Gacy was emboldened to know that, yeah, no one's going to get me. I'm good. And so much of his record has already disappeared. So, yeah. They're still uncovering DNA, though, um, identifying victims. Victim number 24 was discovered as late as July in 2017, uh, called wow. James Byron Hackinson, and he was 17 at the time of his disappearance. And uh, later on, we'll find that there are, like you said, uh, some some new faces from new DNA that's after being constructed with modern technology. But like as the murders continued, um, the, like you said, the victims got older, it wasn't a typical MO and the last half a dozen of these guys that were in their 20s weren't buried in the basement. He admitted to them in interviews later on, but they were tipped over the bridge. So maybe he filled up the basement with young lads and the change from the MO of enticing a young lad into the basement with promises of like a smoke of a joint and a beer turned into I'm cruising the gay bars, I'll bring you for a ride in the car chloroformed him in the car which he did to a lot of people yes yeah 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 and tipped them over then just like strangled them and tipped them over the bridge so maybe he wasn't bringing them home to the house to do this kind of stuff you know that's it's a, it's a change it is a change there is a change and also which is we're going to lead into now is when Pogo comes into it a bit yeah. more and this it's like another element to his personality so he's gotten to almost extreme levels with you know his kidnapping his raping his murdering and now pogo starts to come into it a bit more which i don't know like it just feels it doesn't sit i just I, the whole pogo thing it seems like for a me, return to childhood maybe is he just something so unwell at this stage yeah, he just needs a bit of comfort or something like that maybe yeah coming back to an innocent time he said when i was pogo uh, i could act a fool and roll around in the ground and be a child again which is, I think, like most of these guys, they say that about Michael Jackson, you know. I don't think he, he committed any kind of atrocities no. really at all. But they say that about him. It's like, guys like that, they just want to be kids again. And I'm like, I don't know any kids who like molest other kids. What was it <laughs> then? Do you think there was like, Pogo was always there? That it was something that maybe 
he didn't explore as much until this period in his life, but that Pogo was always this place he reverted to, the safe place. Maybe it was the dressing up thing, like dressing up in his sister's dresses. He just didn't want to be John Wayne Gacy. He wanted to be somebody else. And at this point, I can see why he didn't want to be John Wayne Gacy. Maybe he's so appalled. He's so traumatized. He's so ashamed. Yeah. He, he, he joined as Pogo he auditioned and joined this group called the Jolly Jokers who were a children's entertainment group and they went around and did children's parties and basically Pogo was like a balloon twizzler uh, he wasn't molesting any of these kids that were under his age group they were like 7, 8, 9 and 10 it seemed like it, now it's nice the scariest thing. part yeah. of his character because, I don't know. because like Stephen King's uh, it is, is supposed to be um, kind Base. of based around Pogo the Clown. But do you think, because everything we know and everything we've talked about, that Pogo makes sense? Like, to look at it from the outside and when you see the pictures and, of course, the makeup is fucked. Yeah, it seems to be totally creepy. It seems to be totally creepy, but knowing everything we know about him now, it makes perfect sense that he'd want to escape. I think, to be honest, I think Pogo was probably the most wholesome part about him. I was gonna I don't think it's the creepiest at all. No. And that's so weird. Yeah. That like people are like We're just as fucked up. <laughs> killer clowns, killer clowns, man. But it's not. He didn't kill his Pogo. No. He didn't do anything wrong as Pogo. But yet Pogo he's known was, as the killer clown. Isn't which that? I've always I remember it speaking to you about this on Spin Talk. Pogo for me is not the John Wayne Gacy monster. Pogo is this obviously this part of him that, you know A positive juvenile a positive, avatar. Yeah. Trying to escape yeah. this monster. Yeah. Poor Pogo. That, like, imagine, <laughs> wh- what do we know about the guy who was in the Barney suit for all those years? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh my God, what do you know about Barney? Uh, uh, nothing. Oh. I'm just saying he was in a treehouse with a bunch of kids all the time and he was telling them all to keep him a secret. Like, don't, t- don't tell your mom and dad about me. <laughs> like, do you know? Yeah. Who knows? It's so Maybe freaky, Barney but was just I the- don't, I'm not afraid. <laughs> I don't think, I think being labeled the killer clown is kind of lazy. Yeah. It, you know, I think when, when you delve into him, he, he didn't kill as a clown and he didn't, I think people latch on to that. Like we said at the very start of the episode, you know, when you look at the Google images, it's not the image of the clown that freaks me out. It's actually. Knowing his, behind us. Yeah. It's, it's, it's his smiling face and his mugshot that freaks me out. Yeah. After making a bad joke about himself, what what was the joke they said? Um, oh shit, I don't know. It's like it was like you know one of those ones where it's like uh, name John Wayne Gacy, sex, yes please. <laughs> so it looks some stupid like that. Yeah. And uh, and he laughed, and they took a picture of him laughing. You know. That's it. Yeah. But Pogo the clown was allegedly the inspiration behind Stephen King's It, where he's like living in the in the crawl space in the sewers and pulling kids in Fucking by hell. the feet and stuff like that. But Gacy really leaned back into this whole clown uh, character and he painted loads of these creepy clown paintings while in jail for the for the entirety of the 80s. He was in jail from 80 to 94. And he painted a shitload of fucking paintings about creepy clowns. They were creepy as shit. And some of them sold for like up to $20,000 for like Murderpedia fans. Can you imagine buying having an original John Wayne Gacy in the house? Well, I always, I think that's weird that people do that. And this is going to be another, my favorite murder reference. I'm really sorry. That's, that's the third. Right. I love that. I love this But show. in one of their mini-sodes recently, someone emailed in to say that their dad had been a prison guard and had worked with John Wayne Gacy and going back to how manipulative he is and how like charming he was and getting people to do stuff for him that a lot of the paintings weren't painted by him. Fuck off. I swear to God, I'll find the mini episode. Who, pa- who painted them then? Other Just prisoners. Some... He oh commissioned other prisoners. So I'll find that mini episode. I'll send it to you and you can post it. I was thinking they were all different styles. Someone all right, wrote then. in and was like, it's total bullshit. Like people spent 
thousands on these John Wayne Gacy paintings, which, by the way, you fu- like, who the fuck wants one of them anyway? But sure, they're the same as the lads buying, uh, uh, you know, Hitler's underpants or... It's so you know. weird. I just don't get it. But apparently, yeah, and it, it's, it makes so much sense when you think about it because he was really good at getting people to do shit for him and that he had this <laughs> network of painters in prison that painted the paintings for him. That, that loads of them aren't done by him. That seems too crazy, man. I know. I'm really sorry if that's disappointed people. I was quite disappointed when I heard it. There's some lad sitting at home with a John Wayne Gacy above the fireplace and he's like, fuck. Yeah. Some tax fraud guy from Iowa painted that shit. I think, have you spoken about that on previous episodes? Like people buying memorabilia, like serial yeah, killer we memorabilia. Talked about on the, on, well, not serial killer stuff, but we talked about it on the Doors episode. Like dark have, tourism. Yeah, kind of. We're talking about people buying Jim Morrison's leather trousers for like a hundred grand and all. I can get, yeah, I can understand that. I can understand, you know, wanting, you know, things that belong to someone that's no longer here, or wanting to go to yeah. somewhere where something horrific happened. But I mean, like buying John Wayne Gacy's paintings, or like Jeffrey Dahmer's art is is hugely um, popular and, and expensive. Like to buy the pictures of. The photographs that he took, you know the way Jeffrey Dahmer used to put the people into like crazy poses and bend them all in bits and cut them, flay them out open like a (laughs) red dragon or whatever, and then take loads of pictures. So getting those original photos or even copies of them is really expensive. But then I suppose like I've Googled crime scene images that like, you know, going back to what we spoke about at the beginning of the episode, like my husband is like, why the fuck would you do that? And then make them your desktop wallpaper. Well, no, I haven't done that. (laughs) Not yet. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is, there is a fascination. I guess it's part of... Fascination, yeah. It's part of that... Morbid t- fascination. The of like, oh, I'm a bit close to that. Maybe there's something in people who are interested in this kind of thing that's like, maybe there's a slice of that in me. Or maybe, like, I want to be 100% prepared when that shit comes down. Like, so if I see yeah. my, my kid's teacher in school, you know, coming in with weird, like, clown paintings and going, you know, I'd be like, okay. I've seen um, this before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's it, yeah. Probably something before. So the, one of the most famous parts then about uh, Gacy is the crawl space. And uh, like this is the infamous uh, uh, burial ground for, for 33 of his victims. Uh, the Gacy crawl space is filled with these young lads that were brought over, sexually abused, killed, and then, and then dumped in. And it was exhumed pretty much live on TV uh, in uh, 1979 when it was discovered. So after the investigation of the Robert Peast murder, who was the the, the guy who basically uh, cracked open, it was a kid um, who people you know looked for. Yeah, he he was he was missing. Um, uh, Robert Peast and Jeffrey Rignall were the two cases that basically got him caught. So Peast left his home to go for a job interview for Gacy's construction company at sixteen years of age, and he never returned home. And his parents immediately went, "Okay, who was the last person he was talking to?" John Wayne Gacy. Where was he going? Or the John Wayne Gacy says. He worked in a pharmacy. So the pharmacist was like, oh yeah, I know that guy. I know that guy. Do you think at this point, Gordon, he wanted to be caught? I don't think so. I think he's just getting lazy and horny. Yeah. Because he was going from like 15, 14, 15, 14, 17, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 20. And all of those 20 year olds were all dumped into the river. Probably whatever happened to them happened in the car on the way around. There was uh, uh, one guy, uh, Jeffrey Rignall, who basically was was nabbed at a bus station same story he was in his early 20s and he was brought along chloroformed in the car and then there was a small struggle the car uh uh stalled out jeffrey managed to get out of the car and uh john wayne gacy came out and started to sexually abuse him right there on the road 
and I presume it was going to go further into like a choking to death situation put back into the car and tipped over the bridge so that's how I'm kind of presuming that those older men who were maybe cruising or maybe yeah, they were so male prostitutes or maybe saying, they yeah. were like you know they didn't go back to the house they never went back to the house those older men ended up getting dumped in the river because John Wayne Gacy would chloroform them in the passenger seat do whatever he's doing on the road and then tip them over and Rignall survived and he was able to identify Gacy's Oldsmobile and an arrest warrant was issued for his battery sexual battery uh, while also Robert Peast's parents had a case out going like well he fucking disappeared he was, the he last was at person. your house but they so weren't the regression. first people that wanted Gacy investigated for someone no, going missing no. but I think they made the most noise yeah and, and they had actual evidence like there was yeah. there was peop- other witnesses it wasn't just one set of parents going to the cops going my kid and they're going ah well what are you going to do kids today you know, it's the 70s yeah. they're all smoking the pot uh, so yeah the whole thing fell apart really quickly then for, for Gacy after the, the Rignal and Peast thing and after being arrested he was in custody and then the Rignal testimony came out and he's like well fuck I'm totally fucked now uh, and after being arrested he gave this big long rambling confession which basically said he was uh, quote judge jury and executioner to many young men uh, and uh, he started a civil suit against the De Plains police for harassment to him. Can you imagine a cheeky that getting caught for murder? The audacity. But this is, again, this is all, this is his personality. And he got away with it with the JCs in Iowa. Absolutely. Where he, he, Why not try it? He, he counterclaimed against uh, Voorhees' father for saying, oh, you're trying to politically manipulate me. And mm-hmm. everyone went, yeah, John McGase is cool. It just didn't work this time. Thank fuck. So this, this thing backfired and the people who worked for his company, PDM, were then interviewed. And because they'd kind of had enough and they were possibly culpable in some of these crimes, they gave these interviews to the, to the police and the detailed of these porn parties and other questionable behavior that was similar to what was going on at the JCs, except like their staff do on a Friday night was let's go to John Wayne Gacy's house, watch a lot of porn, wank each other off and take a lot of drugs and possibly have sex with some kids and then bury them in the basement so these guys were like i don't want to go to jail too i'm going to tell you everything john wayne gacy does and he got ratted out by his men which is the first time that happened yeah and i'm sure you i don't want to skip ahead on you but yeah, yeah wasn't there guys who were like yeah listen i did pour lime into the yeah space. and cement and i dug and out cement, the thing yeah. well these these guys like the investigators were were invited into the house after this case by gacy and they saw him like a, a tv which may have belonged to one of the victims uh, and then they saw this clump of muck, which was only coming from like either like a sewer or or an under the house kind of basement uh, kind of thing. It was found on a white carpet in, inside the house, which led to an investigation of the crawl space because these were good investigators like there's some muck. How did the muck get there? Where's your muck on your basement? Let's have a look. And they went down, found some stuff. I went, OK, John, I guess he, yeah. you are totally fucked. And while they were down there doing the thing, what did John Wayne Gacy do? He went over to impede the investigation and he unplugged this water pump that used to pump water uh, out of this flooded basement. And, and it basically just flooded the basement, which made the extraction of the bones and all the putrefied flesh and all the stuff so much more difficult. It found that they, the police found it so much more difficult to put the skeleton together properly. All of the uh, soil underneath there became waterlogged and aerated. And basically turned it into like a big, massive, mucky bone meat soup. Jesus Christ. And everything, Christ. Got, everything all got sloshed yeah. around. And some of them are embalmed. Some of them are not because he'd been a funeral yeah. director. No, funeral worker. He worked in yeah. a morgue. Yeah. M- but he mortri- knew how to embalm. Mortician, yeah. Mortician, that's the word. And he was all about like take, extracting the blood, embalming it, make sure that they wouldn't decompose Can you properly? imagine being an investigator in that basement, in your wellies, 
in your overalls and just like body parts floating by you. Fucked. They tried to drain out the thing and they were pumping it all out into the front garden. And they so said body parts in the front garden. Possibly some fingernails and a few old eye teeth Fucking or something. Fucking hell. And they said that the, the smell in the neighborhood didn't go away for days and days and days. Because it's basically like, you know, you know the way when you're emptying out the, the, the bin and there's like bin juice. I want to get sick now. I cleaned out my wheelie bin there the other day and I thought I'd, I'd never get over the smell. Can you imagine that a basin, 33 bodies yeah. floating and a lot out of, of the sewerage basement water as well. into the garden and sewerage water. <laughs> Jesus. You're not going to, you're not, there's no morning sickness nothing happening. No, thank that. God I'm not a puker. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked, man. It's fucked. These guys were, were, I guess, what would you say? Saints these law enforcement officers emptying up this stuff. But so determined, I'd say, because at this point, the pieces are starting to come together. The little pieces of the jigsaw. Someone at some point is after opening up a file in Iowa and going, oh, ding dong. Yeah. Someone else is after coming forward going, oh yeah. This guy got previous. This happened. Oh yeah, I remember that. This happened. Nobody believed him. And now all the pieces are coming together. And finally, it all converged John Wayne Gacy cracked and he just went, yeah, fuck it. Fuck it, I did it all. I did it all, man. And he was getting his kudos. He knew some shit was going to go down, but at least he was free of that life. And that's what he said, at least I'm free now. And you're like, you're not free, you're in jail, man. So imagine, uh, what I was going to say was, imagine the torture that he was going through. And now that he's been honest and he's told, like, yeah, this is what I did. And immediately I caught myself because I'm going, he just totally manipulated me. And I just realized yeah. that as it was coming out of my mouth. I, and I felt a bit of pity for I'm him. I'm thinking back to the start now Fuck. going like, he never stood a chance. Yeah. He was so abused. He's a piece of shit. And yeah. he has had us the whole way through this because. Pogo the clown. Pogo the clown. Isn't it? It is though. You do. You want to believe. Want, even in our darkest moments, Lauren, when we're looking at all these true crime things, we want to go, surely there was a reason. There's a reason. We have to have a small bit of empathy for this guy. Yeah. Now that I have the mental image of body parts floating around <laughs> the garden, I feel very, very little sympathy for John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. We come to the end, we usually don't have yeah. any sympathy. Uh, he confessed on the 22nd of December 1978, which is the anniversary of his father's death, by the way. Um, Co-winky yeah, dink. There you go. And uh, he said 30 murders, give or take a few. So, I mean, he, he showed disdain for the amount of people that he killed. And he told of all these methods and techniques and the tourniquet and all this stuff. And he still managed to continue on the story that he wasn't gay. He was he was bisexual. He's like, I'm not gay. I'm not a homosexual. Don't get that wrong. Don't report that in the fucking paper that these are all like gay attacks. I'm bisexual. Don't fucking say I'm gay. Like that was a huge thing for him. And he also maintained the whole idea that it, a lot of it was consensual. Yeah. Which... I think going back to your theory of some of the older guys, I think yeah. to a point there was some consensual acts yeah. going on. Um, because look, people are into whatever they're into. And, and some, if you're going to do that cruising on the side of the road, like maybe that was and off the time. And if things get rough and you enjoy that, yeah. that's fine. And people didn't talk about it then. So people had no choice but to, you know, get lifts in cars or hook up with strangers. It wasn't an accepted it's not, lifestyle it's at the time. still not accepted, you know. Ah, yeah, but it's less than like, it's less I'm hanging around now, in, yeah. in layboys, dogging and shit like that. But when some guy escalates it to like, hey, does this clot smell like chloroform to you? Then you're like, yeah, no, I'm out. Yeah. Do you know? Um, he he had kind of convinced himself of that. He was brought to trial on the 6th of February 1980 and still maintained that uh, he was charged with 33 murders and pled not guilty by reason of insanity, hoping to stay any judgment of execution. But the prosecution put forward a case of a completely balanced man who was entirely capable of performing these acts and it was in complete control of his actions. 
What do you think? I think he was totally, he knew exactly what he was doing. He's a fucking high-powered businessman in the middle of Chicago. Of course he knew what he was doing. He was grooming young lads and an, in an organized business, organizational model. Like he had a job that was earning him a load of money and also facilitated him hiring on young lads that he was able to find out if they're in vulnerable positions or not mm. and then entice them into a basement and groom them with porn and drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And then have sex with them, murder them, and then deny till you die. Like, that's totally preordained. The way he manipulated murder. them and the law as well. But the way he manipulated the young men, I do. I think he's so calculated. Of course. It's not insanity. It's not, it's not insanity. a crime he's of He's very unwell. Yeah. But he's not insane. No, I don't think so. Um, it was discovered through the trial that uh, he had members of his staff, like you said, digging up the trenches under the crawl space. And these two guys, Michael Rossi and David Cram, gave this testimony in court and said, yeah, we went down with machinery and we dug out the whole thing. We laid a cement base in... in I like, wonder why like they a, were told they were doing that. I guess he was like, I want to have a nice basement to uh, for more activities. Yeah. I'm going to extend out the... The, the the basement den and we're going to have extra room to watch porn and do drugs or who the fuck knows who the fuck and they're just doing what they're told doing what they're told and, and it's the same as like H.H. H. Holmes or it's the same as Joseph Fritzl you compartmentalise the work so no one knows the full story and no one knows the just full like, layout yeah, yeah. dig yeah. a hole there dig a hole here who you know pour some lime exactly um, so Gacy was considered by the judge as quote the worst of all murders and that quote John Wayne Gacy had accounted for more human devastation than many earthly catastrophes but one must tremble. I tremble when I think about just how close he came to getting away with it all. Mm. And that is fucking true. It is so true. And I really feel like he just, he got to a point where he thought he was invincible. Yeah. Very similar to Ted Bundy. Oh yeah, same. So he just, he thought, because Ted Bundy got so lazy towards the end. And I think going into that pharmacy, offering that young lad, Robert Priest, the job. Yeah. Never in a million years did he think that would be his own undoing. They'll tie this to he me. He was in that fantasy. Or he was, he was in so that used fantasy, to getting away with things. Having a fantasy about that young lad just going, oh, I'd love to fucking ride him. <laughs> oh, that young lad behind the counter. Look at him. Do you know what? Chat him up. Do the thing. Bish, bash, bosh. Yeah, no one's Instead watching. of sticking to the plan. Like this lad wasn't within his, his remit. Usually it was someone who was in his employ or someone who he had some kind of power over. Mm. This young lad, he just walked in and he was just like, oh, and I like that. And it makes you wonder as well how many people similar to Bundy that actually got away. Like there are oh, so, so many, many women that come forward now saying, um, my, I, I, I was approached by Ted Bundy and, 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 and I kind of got a weird vibe or I had to go meet someone or my boyfriend showed up or, or I didn't believe my, my lift arrived yeah. and I got out of there. But that was Ted Bundy. And, and Bundy said in his interviews there could be hundreds there literally could be hundreds i i lost count yeah do you know he 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 admitted to 36 36 and they suspect him of two more but that's it yeah and then he blamed pornography at the end in his in his final interviews he's like it's because of all the porn i watched and he got like some christian politician to come in and go brilliant i don't like porn either like it's so it's all so calculated right to the end yeah and Gacy, because I like think I they said, really believe. Yeah, what absolutely. Yeah. You have to, or else you wouldn't do it. Yeah. So right to the end, Gacy was like, "No way, I didn't do it. I'm totally not gay." Like these lads loved it. The judge went, "Fuck you!" And he was sentenced to death for twelve counts of murder, and he was given the death penalty in 1994. He went through more than ten years of appeals, even appealed up as far as the U.S. Supreme Court for this insanity plea, which was officially denied in October '93, and he was executed on the 10th of May 1994. It took 18 minutes to administer the Good lethal injection. Good fucking enough for him. 
Strangely, it was the first malfunction of a lethal injection. Do you think uh, those things sometimes happen on purpose? I, uh, I don't know. It, it, uh, from what I read, they put the solution into the thing and it's like a mixing of two solutions, like in Die Hard 3. It goes into the pipe. But whatever happened, the way the solution mixed, it didn't turn, it wasn't liquid. It's supposed to turn to, to turn to mush when it hits your blood. Okay. So what happens, it's like, a, it's like a, do you ever see um, snake, snake bite poison in blood? So okay. it, it coagulates the blood into like sloppy muck. Okay. So it coagulated in the pipe before it got to him and they had to take it out and they did this whole thing. And Gacy was like, can do it already. Like, come mm. on. He was really stressed out in those last minutes and they did it all again. But the, the fact that it broke with the method that they use means that because of John Wayne Gacy, they entirely changed the administration uh, 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 apparatus for wow. giving people lethal injections because of this massively high profile case and the fact that they had to put a cloth over him like you would do to like a parrot or a parakeet to stop them from making noise it's like okay it's night time now here's a cloth like it's fucking bananas you know I, yeah it is I don't feel that sorry for him though Not and I think I heard somewhere as well that when they asked him if he had any final words he said kiss my ass and this is a thing I found out on okay me, is this the reveal that every quote that every quote that I found about John Wayne Gacy for his last words it said kiss my ass that he snarled kiss my ass but the addendum to that phrase that they don't put in any of these articles is he said kiss my ass you'll never find the rest <gasps> wow yeah and that's not written in most places I've only found that in a couple of places Why? I knew that for years and years and years when I was a kid I was like yeah Pogo the Clown like John Wayne Gacy said you'll never find the rest so there is obviously more it's somewhere yeah but they don't put that into the into the quotes because I think they don't they, now that he's dead they're just like okay let's Let's but they're still it. working to identify bodies and surely they're still working to find more. Does he mean you'll never find out who the other unidentified bodies are? Because he gave the identities of a lot of them and other families that came knew, and said yeah. that he knew. Did he mean you'll never find the identities of the other, the, the, so the remaining 33? Ass, you'll never find the rest of like, them. Like, is there hundreds of bodies buried in the fucking woods between Iowa and what Chicago? Like, that's a real head scratcher for somebody that's, uh, you know, being executed. Um, there was also other testimony that may have implicated other people. Gacy was adamant that there was more people involved in this uh, sexual murder ring than I just do. him. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. And in his first confession, he was like, I didn't do anything. It's part of a whole thing. I'm a fucking patsy. He attempted to get away with the crimes by saying, uh, I'm insane. And then he changed into this, uh, you know, oh yeah, we're part of a, a, a ring of lads that would um, abduct people and, and have sex with them. And I, he said, I didn't, I didn't kill 16 of those kids. I wasn't even around when 16 of them died and it was other people who used to do it in the tie them up kind of way and use my MO to when the lads were being found and they would be able to blame me. I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility. Absolutely I do believe not. he was the leader of the ring, but I do, I think that he could not have done all that on his own. I wouldn't even think he was the leader. Think of as well be. some of the bodies, like we said earlier on. If he was the leader, he wouldn't have got caught. Interesting. Yeah. I also think, remember we spoke about earlier, trying to work out the timeline of when some of them were killed yeah. and how they were buried. Some of it just doesn't add up. I think, I don't know if that would have been possible for just one person. Like he's getting a lad on the 26th of October and then a couple of days later on the 28th of October. Like that's a, that's, that's a heavy old weekend. I've never murdered and buried anyone, but I would imagine that's a lot in one weekend. I've painted the inside of a house and if it's anything like that... <laughs> 
It's, it's exactly taken a really same. long time. No, but I'm saying the meticulousness yeah. of like cutting in at the sides around the thing, putting the tape on. Like you're cutting these lads up. You're like making sure to go in the thing. You're 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 murdering them and doing all that. Like to be meticulous so that you're not getting caught to clean everything with bleach so there's no fucking DNA in places. You're not getting an investigator yeah, coming into your he house didn't and act finding alone, pubes. You're right. Like absolutely couldn't be acting alone. So he said, uh, because of uh, uh, Robert Ressler, the investigating agent from the FBI, he came and said that Gacy had uh, uh, you know no concrete details that it was part of a ring but that he claims to have been not present when 16 of the murders were committed in Chicago and that uh, the employees of PDM all had keys to Gacy's house and one young employee called Philip Pask who's a known associate of a man called John Norman who operated a, an actual real-life nationwide sex trafficking ring called Delta Project which was broken up in the 80s and at that time operated in Chicago so there was an actual paedophile ring called Delta Project going on, sex trafficking ring. And then two victims of, of that ring, Kenneth Parker and Michael Marino, they were last seen alive near where uh, uh, John Norman lived. So, I mean, Gacy's pointing fingers at other people. I presume if you're in that group, you're in the JCs, the lads are watching porn, doing drugs, doing all this kind of stuff. Um wanking the man to the left and then saying nothing about it like some weird fraternity this is how these things start the franklin credit union scandal you're talking about all of these like pedophile rings that are being smashed right now the rotherham uh, uh, and rochester muslim grooming gangs that they're all being prosecuted at the moment that were running for the whole of the 2000s like for 12 15 years and thousands of young girls were being involved in these rapes and stuff like that in england like in the 2000s it's not like legacy shit it totally happens. And John Wayne and Gacy was one man that was yeah. lamped for a load of murders that he may not have taken part in all. And he was made a scapegoat. So if he's the scapegoat, he's the one in jail getting the execution, I guarantee he's not the leader. There was Here other people he is involved manipulating in us into feeling sorry well, for him again. I'm not feeling sorry for him, but I'm going... He's not on his own. He's definitely not. There's okay. other lads out there that are worse than him and be and better than him because they're not caught, you know. Um, one, one escape victim, uh, Jeffrey Signal, remembers... As we talked about, through his chloroform, his when he was out in the thing, like, hey, does this cloth smell like chloroform to you? He was being um, a, a assaulted by Gacy on the side of the road after getting out of the car from not being completely 100% like out of it. And he said he remembers a young man with short brown hair kneeling on the ground in front of him as Gacy was assaulting him from behind. So there was somebody else with Gacy during that assault. I mean, that's one of the surviving victims of John Wayne Gacy saying that shit. One of the only. And he said it was somebody else. Why would he say that? Mm. And Do is that know? someone else still alive? Who is that guy? Two Chicago lawyers, Stephen Becker and Robert Stevenson, have publicly stated that they believe absolutely this narrative and that it's likely or probable that Gacy didn't act alone. Uh, in one or two of the cases brought up at trial, they contend that Gacy wasn't even in the state at the time of the disappearances. But the lads were still found in his basement. Uh, and they claim that there's absolutely overwhelming evidence that Gacy worked with an accomplice or multiple accomplices. Like, these are two lawyers still fighting this case. Go we're on only, them. We're only after looking at um, the East Area Rapist we did with uh, Johnny Daly from Disaster Artists. And we thought he's called the Golden State Killer in the book by Michelle McNamara. And the original Night Stalker. All, the original Night Stalker, guy. all that stuff. Same dude, so many different cases. They weren't able to put it together for like 20 years. It's and fascinating. He's only been identified after being dormant for nearly 30 years. They thought he was dead or yeah. they thought he had moved. And thought I can't wait to listen to that episode. It's fucking amazing. We did three and a half hours here yesterday even thinking it was going to be two. 
so much stuff. James Joseph D'Angelo is his name. And he was he was up for so much and he could be up for so much more. But they only know because of the MO and the DNA evidence and the way that stuff was done in these different locations. For years, they thought it was two separate dudes. Like, how many times did John Wayne Gacy do some shit or lads belonging to him do well, some shit that wasn't... Go back to what we were saying about John Wayne Gacy escalating yeah. and continuing yeah. to go away with more and more. And the whole idea, I've um, listened to Michelle McNamara's book, the, um, I'll, I'll Be, be Gone, Gone in, in the, the Dark. dark yeah. And it is, it makes perfect sense that he escalated. He went from being the Night Stalker to being the hysteria rapist, to being a killer because he got away with it. Yeah, and he escalated from small break-ins. He was the Valeria ransacker first. So he'd go in and he'd move stuff around the house and rob like some yeah. porcelain. And before that, he was probably like a weird kid who just yeah. watched people. Just peeping Tom in You windows. know, what was John Wayne Gacy doing before we knew about any of this? And and in his early 20s when he was in Las Vegas, what the fuck did he do who then? Knows? That's what I think he means by kiss my ass, you'll never find the rest. Because there's a lot more going on there than that. Um, but when we look at stuff like uh, the Johnny Gosh case, which we'll be doing in the future, that's part of something that's way, way, bigger. way bigger. And it's still operating today, that same organization. And we're seeing it in loads of uh, pedophile rings being busted in America and in the UK. Like that shit is real. There's a lot of stuff going on and many, many, many people are involved. And you could think like, oh, it's fucking 9-11. How many people could you keep quiet about it? You'd be fucking surprised when everybody's having sex with kids. You'd be surprised how many people have shut the fuck up about it. Yeah. Do you know? Jesus. Culpability. And that's the JCs in the basement. If we're all doing it, lads, no one can get in trouble. One positive thing from this, finally, as a nice little aperitif Thank to finish God, off. Gordon. I know. <laughs> Crack open that window, let the light in. Uh, through complex modern facial reconstruction, investigators have only just recently been able to reproduce the facial images of two of more. Uh, two more of Gacy's uh, uh, victims. John Doe's number 10 and 13 were both found in December 1978 in the basement of Gacy's home in the crawl space. But now there's identifying marks being released and injuries like broken bones and healed bones, broken collarbones. Yeah, dental work. There's some of them, Some one of them has hair still, so he's able to see what color hair and length of hair, uh, height, uh, uh, um, skin color and other identifying factors in the hopes of being able to identify these young lads with family that have missing persons reports or you know was your kid disappeared in 1977 we may have him here hopefully it could be done there's two really good kind of sketch artist reconstructions of these lads faces and uh, six victims still remain uh, unidentified including these two new faces and uh, full DNA profiles are extracted from these victims, but because of Prop 69, which is the mandatory extraction of DNA from all felons, they're trying to find out that shit. Michelle McNamara used DNA to go like Ancestry.com or 23andMe is where you'll find the Golden State Killer. And because of all these profiles being sent into this kind of global centralized database of DNA, they may be able to find identities for these four last dudes by putting their DNA on mm. file. Fingers crossed they can rest in peace and, you know, it'll be at least some kind of positivity towards the end of this case. But uh, now they sporadically appeal for information about these unidentified young men that were Gacy's victims. What you would hope is that maybe there's family members, like we spoke about Gacy's wife, a second wife, Carol, earlier on, that if this was going on in your basement, maybe you might be suspicious. So maybe it's not the people who are involved in it, but it's the family members of those who are involved that might yeah. come forward now. They'll know, like, here, what does she know? I wonder where Carol is. Yeah. I wonder what she knows. Like, does she know more than... 
Yeah. Was she able to identify like, oh yeah, you know, someone famous was down in the basement one night, like someone from Chicago. This is it. Do you know, there's a crazy, crazy conspiracy theory that like Barack Obama, his real name is Barry Sotero. And he was like some kind of gigolo around Chicago in the 70s and all this kind Holy of stuff. Holy shit. Like, mad fucking stuff, right? But like if that's going around about him. What's imagine going on about el- other people? Yeah, imagine who else is out there, you know? But how long is a piece of string? Like, there'll always be stories. There'll always be rumours. It's how do you prove them? And when so much time has passed. Yeah. It's mad. The longer the time goes, the more the, the legitimacy falls away. Yeah. But there's one dude, he's like testifying in front of the press club, going like, I sold Barack Obama's crack cocaine to, for, for him to give to a, a client of his, which was a male prostitute, because... Uh, I was involved in that world and he was called Barry Sotero at the time. Like you can type in Barry Sotero and it's like a, a bananas, like crazy Jesus. Alex Jones level bullshit conspiracy theory. But there's a guy out there like saying this is the truth. I say it. And no mm. one's suing him for it. Or like it's so you can see how this kind of stuff yeah. can, can kind of snowball. Um, there are many more young men, I believe, missing at the hands of Gacy. And at least, you know, his dying words will have you believe that there would be more than the 33 that were found in the basement. But uh, he was executed and it's game over for him. But for the lads that were found in the basement or in the, in the crawl space, for the families of the people that still have missing kids in the 70s that could think like, oh yeah, maybe he just, you know, jumped in the river and killed himself or maybe he just got hit by a bear on a walk in the woods. Not, he was abducted by John Wayne Gacy and brutally killed. I would like to know either way, would you? I was if just going to ask you, yeah, like, I don't know. Or if do it was you, my brother or cousin or somebody Would you else. want their body... I think that's all anyone wants is some a body to bury, somewhere to go and to grieve and to feel that, that your loved one is at peace. Yeah. But would you, I always wonder about family members who go to trial and hear the details of what's happened to their loved one. I just think it's such an incredibly brave thing to do because to have to listen to that. Yeah. And sometimes to have to listen to the person who did those things to them. Yeah, but try and legitimize what they did. When you're justice, it's like, yeah, that's what the judge is like, bullshit, John Wayne Gacy, yeah. you're dead. And then he is dead and then they're like, yeah, justice. Justice. Rather than getting away a bunch of times like he did before. But like, can you imagine not knowing? Like imagine, you know, like but there's Johnny Gosh's people. parents or Madeline McCann's parents or these kids that disappear and you know that there's some shady shit, but you don't know what the crack actually is. And like Madeline McCann could totally be alive somewhere. Do you try and just make your peace with they ran away or someone kidnapped them and killed them and will never find their body. Like, I don't know how you make peace with that, but if it was in the seventies and you know, like we spoke about earlier on a young man is, um, hanging out, hanging around in bus shelters, hooking up with older men or has run away or has drug issues and their family just think that they ran away and maybe they're living it up in Las Vegas. Who knows? They or never called they, home. They had a lovely family and moved to like Oregon and they're living on a farm somewhere. Would you or, want to have that? Or they went, hey, I'm going to go to move to New York and I'm going to take a load of heroin. And then they died nameless of a heroin overdose and the family was never, they were buried in like some unmarked grave and the family will never It's know. horrific. It is. It has to be the worst thing ever to not know what happened to your child. I remember when I was living in Estonia from from Russian uh, news, there was this thing in like 2004 or five where there was like this amnesty on homeless people. So they went around Moscow, went around St. Petersburg and other major cities and basically did this little kind of, um, the other way on uh, uh, America's Got Talent, they're like, if you want to vote for, t- to 
you know, Tanisha dialed blah, 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 08. If you want to vote for Jared, 09, like this kind of thing. But they did that for these homeless people where they get 30 seconds to go like, Masha, I'm so sorry for everything I did. I live on the streets in Moscow. Please, please come get me. I'm sorry. I want to come home to family. I drink perfume every day. You know, like awful lads that have been part of these like homeless uh, exploitation gangs where they'll chop off their right hand and their left foot and then put them on the street so that they get more pity and get more money and then they'll come and glean 50% of their homeless kind of takings, panhandling takings and all. Like that was happening all over Russia. People getting like mutilated acid face and pulling out all their teeth so they'll get more money and these guys are like, I'm being tortured. Please get me out of this. And they'd leave a phone number underneath and there was hundreds of these homeless guys returned to their families. someone's brother, father, husband. Yeah, and and there was families like somewhere out in fucking, you know, Novosibirsk or somewhere out in the Ukraine and this lad had eventually got to to Moscow somehow, you know, hopping on trains and shit. And they went like, yeah, that's uh, that's my uncle, that's my uncle Dimitri. And they'd ring the number and go, okay, Uncle Dimitri, you can come and live with us. And these guys came back and a year later they were like, Dimitri has a home now. Thank you everybody for help. Like, crazy movement Fuck. to reunite people across a massive country and the, these guys are not getting that peace like those people that happen that happen in america to those people and they could be homeless and they could be still living on the they streets could still for be years alive, yeah they could still be alive or they if you victims. have someone missing in chicago at any point between 1976 and 1978 they could be john west john Wayne basement dwellers you know it's rough. what do you decide yourself like yeah. if you don't think you're going to get an answer like what do you make your peace with that's the thing that's the thing. So to finish up then, Lauren, I'll just ask you. Yes. Do you think these are like the true crime off defenses, which is just like a kind of a s- summation of uh, motivations and, and reasons why? Do you think that John Wayne Gacy's father was um, kind of culpable in his murderous behavior or One. was it born inside of oh, John Wayne okay. Gacy? I, I 100% think his childhood affected yeah. who he became in later life. What I don't know is if that is something that he inherited, if that is something that maybe his dad had in him that we were saying earlier on that maybe his dad recognized in him that he tried to contain, Shit tried to beat out of him. Yeah. Who knows? I I think to be fair to people who grow up in abusive situations and are abused by family members or who are sexually assaulted by family friends, I think it would be unfair to to those people to say that what happened to John Wayne Gacy is the reason he ended up the way he did. There was something more. Yeah, yeah. There's something more to John Wayne Gacy. But it's a confluence of maybe both of those things and a, and yeah. a consistent undermining. I think it's definitely the consistent undermining and shaming of his pretty obvious fucking sexual predilections. Yeah. Like if you have a gay kid, you kind of know he's fucking gay if he's a gay lad. Do you know what I mean? If he's a little yeah, bit... Yeah, I think a lot of people do, yeah. They, they you know, know they're... Um, they know they you know you know like your four, kids yeah gay dudes are like I knew when I was like four yeah and they parents know often know or like other things you know parents know their own kids so yeah. like it mightn't be their sexuality it might be something else parent goes oh yeah I recognise that this is a bit odd yeah yeah and a lot of times now in America they're just going here's a lot of tablets shut up shut your head up but with John and Gacy I think that the father saw like you said something weird there's something shady. Something he didn't like. Something he didn't like. And I don't think it was the fact that um, John was gay or bisexual. No. The dad saw something in him that he wasn't happy about. But he 
funnel the true his bigotry against yes. against gayness and just went i don't want you to be a little yeah. faggy sissy boy you're you know you're going to play baseball whether you like it or not and he's like i'm gardening with mommy like i think that internalized self-hatred of his sexuality forced john wayne gacy to be ultra secretive so and much then so hate the young men that he met so much so that he hated himself hated the young men he met and would kill to keep that secret that's yeah, that's makes sense i think i think um so then how do you think he was able to juggle both the businessman side of john wayne gacy and the jc's and this whole thing and then also the debaucherous uh you know underground uh, basement parties mm. and all this thing is that a done thing yeah Do i think i think that happens all the time yeah. i think people leave lead double lives triple lives i don't know if he was always in control of when he was john the colonel or when he was, you know, John in the basement. Yeah. Um, and I think as he got older and I think as things escalated, he became less and less in control of John in the basement. And that was ultimately what led to him being caught. <laughs> basement John and Colonel John. It's a good way yeah. to split it, yeah. But I think he definitely, it's, it's, he's not the first person, he won't be the last. It's what you do with those aspects of your personality yeah. and it's obviously a, he's a really extreme example like Wolf of Wall Street guy was fucking mad he said yeah, on or mad um, drugs like American Psycho American Psycho as well so is it, do you think that there is a, a, a kind of an over, overlapping Venn diagram of guys who are superly superly high business powered and debaucher sexual deviance like that that personality type or that uh, I think there's that, elements to the personality like we spoke um we mentioned earlier on about CEOs. A lot of CEOs have psychopathic traits. Yeah, lack it's, of empathy. And, it's when yeah. you have all of those traits, when they come together, you have a John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, the re- the Gacy recipe. And then for, um, I guess, the culpability of the law enforcement to ignore many and multiple locations and instances of underage sexual abuse. But listen, the 70s. It's just the way it was. It's just the way it was. Jimmy, and it's not Jimmy's an excuse. Country. And I'm not trying to justify it. Yeah. The 70s fucked up so badly. We can't change it now. So there's no, you know no, what I mean? But the 70s really, it's like, like you said, there's so many serial killers. They just fucked, they fucked it up. Yeah. And what about then Pogo? We, we, we talked about that, that that was maybe the, the Yeah, respite. I think, I think even though we've, we've come through the rest of it now, my feelings on Pogo remain the same. I think it's, it's lazy journalism on people who pin Pogo the clown for all this yeah. this behavior because it's it creepy wasn't. alter ego. It's yeah. ruined party clowns. I think the whole think, business yeah. of party clowns like, from then on. I think Pogo was probably one of the best parts about John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, I do too. It was it was his uh, return to innocence before mm. any bad shit happened, and yeah, it's tough, man. And then um, obviously the the killer question: Do you think he acted alone? No, I think it is a stretch for a lot of people, but I think considering everything we've discussed, all the background, even going back to his dad and his background and, and, and the granddad. The dad, like letting him, letting John off to be molested in the van with the fella that worked for the dad's company. Like that is a hun- like a hundred percent. Listen, this that's kind how of thing is, is work, still like. happening now. Yeah. We go back to the Wild West of the 70s. It was on an even bigger scale. Mm. I definitely agree with you that he didn't act alone. Yeah, me too. I definitely think so. Um, well, let us know what you think. We're on all the social media uh, 
uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, all of the things that have a social media. We also have the website, uh, thoseconspiracyguys.com. Let us know if we've missed anything, if we left that out, if we got that wrong. I'm sure we did. You know, no big deal. Oh, yeah. I'm, by the up. way, so this is all my opinion. It, 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 I do not have a degree in psychotherapy no. or psychology. No, we're, we're this is armchair carry on. It's a true crime podcast. Totally. We're not, it's not therapy, man. But uh, just trying to, you know, have that conversation, try to figure this thing out. And um, if anyone has any extra information that we, that you know, may crystallize some of our opinions, please do send it. Info at thoseconspiracyguys.com is the email. Yeah. And if anyone else has heard that story that I mentioned from my favorite murder, where the guy that worked in the prison said a lot of the artwork from John oh, yeah. Wayne Gacy was bullshit. Let me know if you've heard that as well. We'll I'd try love- and find the link from the yes. My Favorite Murder thing you sent me that. And uh, yeah, so we have, this is streaming live on YouTube. Um, It's probably too late now at this point to get any more of them, but you will be able to go and uh, watch this live if you you want to. Um, Well, watch a recording of it being done live if you want to on uh, youtube.com slash those conspiracy guys. And uh, we also have a BitChute channel, BitChute.com slash those conspiracy guys. You'll be able to get all the documentaries that I mentioned uh, earlier on in the show. YouTube are acting the cunt at the moment and not letting stuff happen and not letting people say some stuff or they're taking stuff down it's a you know a war of opinion it's a culture war and some shit's going on any kind of dissenting voice is not allowed to have it so i'd rather have something on uh, on, a, on a website like bitshoot which uh, takes any and all comers um we're also on minds.com as well if you want to subscribe over there for some of the more uh, i guess questionable articles stuff that you wouldn't be putting up on facebook or twitter uh we also have a, a merchandise store so tpublic.com slash those conspiracy guys to get all the designs that i made from in jokes and and kind of little asides and sketches that we've done from the older shows like you know we have a diet loves pass one and we have uh that shit is bananas we also have the those conspiracy guys logo so if you want to get some merch with that stuff on it hit up t public and uh obviously the big thing is to say thank you very much to all the people on patreon patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys for supporting the show you guys the life build the show you're the reason i can do this as a full-time job it's phenomenal it's unreal uh you guys are watching this live as well so thank you so much for that if you want to support the show to get early access to videos get access to live streams we have private instagram for when we're on the road in america we get all of the uh, original docs from uh, the tcg tv project when they're out patreon will get them first you'll also get extended versions of all the interviews and you'll get daily vlogs before anybody else from the road uh, when we're doing tcg tv that is a, a, a project that we're undertaking if we're going to america to make documentaries daily vlogs and uh being able to bring them home and sell them to to netflix and f- for your viewing pleasure if you want to support that you want to take this podcast to the next level uh, gofundme.com slash tcg tv and with all that out of the way god bless john wayne gacy uh the poor evil cunt <laughs> Do you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm vacillating between pity and disgust. And I think that's probably where most people will lie after yeah, hearing all that information. Absolutely. Uh, all that leaves me to do is say thank you to, uh, to Lauren Kelly O'Sullivan for joining me. Thank you so much for it's, inviting me. I had a ball. I, I'm delighted that you came. It's been a while since you're away from the mic. Yeah, it's and, been great um, to be back. You still have it, girl. You Aww. still got it. That's you never really is. lose that buzz never, for listening to your own voice. That's it. That's why I have the headphones. <laughs> and uh, you can find you on Instagram. Yeah, uh, Lauren Kelly O'Sullivan on Instagram. I'm still on Twitter. I just lost yeah, the spin 138 from my handle. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still on Twitter. I still love sharing lots of stuff about true crime and mm. 
conspiracies and then I, I the reason I left Spin is my husband and I have our own business we have a restaurant in Bray it's called Dockyard Number 8 if you're ever out in Bray I'm going to leave the links for all in. that stuff in the it's descriptions so below we have our own Instagram for that and then I mentioned my dog to Gordon just before we started yeah. Hercules is our British Bulldog he's got the zoomies Yeah, uh, he is he's got the zoomies he's like our little mascot we're dog friendly restaurant which is awesome we get a lot of attention for that so yeah, if you're ever around Bray, do say hello. Since I left the show, a lot of people have said, listen, I've never said it to you before because I used to work there part time. Yeah. And they're like, I never said it to you before, but since you've left Spin, just wanted to say I used to listen to the show and like, we really miss you or whatever, which is lovely. Yeah. And for someone who's it's worked- like Dolly Parton giving up being Dolly and she's gone to work in her restaurant franchise. They're all like, oh my God, it's Lauren. Yeah. Yeah, it's Dolly. Um, and yeah, exactly. And you always love when you work in this kind of, line of work you love hearing that people like the sound of your voice as much as you do and well it's not just the sound of your voice you got an insight you got some shit in your head it's not just like hi how's it going everybody doing I've the got stuff to say you Gordon. got shit to say believe, thanks so much for listening believe. to it i think that in the future what we were talking about before that before we started recording that uh when I'm creating this podcast empire, definitely I would appreciate you being a string in the bow, maybe making a true crime podcast oh, of your that. own. I think that's right down your alley. I'd love it. Do, do some shit like that. But uh, if you like Lauren and you want to hear more from her, uh, hit her up on Twitter and Instagram. I don't think you have a Facebook page, but uh, Instagram should get everything I do, but I'm needs. no crack on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> yes. so, or on or I'm Facebook. no crack on Facebook. Nobody yeah, find is. me on Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> I love Twitter. Yeah, hit, hit her up. Um, that's it for those conspiracy guys for this time. That was John Wayne Gacy. Jesus Christ, I don't know what to say. I'm worn out. You're worn out. Spent. So uh, get back to me, info those conspiracy guys. Uh, thanks for listening. I've been Gordon. I'm Lauren. And uh, see you next time. Bye.